Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the innovative creative outlets to my scoffing at traditional print media, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. I'm doing good. I'm back from vacation, buddy. I'm back you from vacation. Woo! I got you and me both. Getting the dust off the shoulders, but you know what? Still nailed it in one take. Just saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am refreshed. I visited family in Minnesota. Minna, I don't know. I don't know how to do that accent. It's funny, though, hearing it. Yeah, yeah. How was it? Yeah, I'll, I'll it talk about good, it. Yeah, tell you what. Let's let's. Yeah, yeah. It, it was good. It was good. Uh, tell you what. Let's get through our, our stuff and then we'll uh, and then I'll talk about it. it. It's true, by the way, about Minnesota. There's there's nice and then there's Minnesota nice. Like those are two different levels. I I read about uh, the actual phrase is Minnesota nice, Minnesota ice. So look that up on the internet because that that is also true. Although I, I was hanging out with family, so I automatically got like the Minnesota nice. My time in Minnesota has always been quite quite pleasant. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Land of Thousand Lakes, Robert. Move on, Jonathan. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this now because we have a guest, but until we can announce our guest, we have to go through a bullet point or two in the script. Well, as Be a always, professional, damn it! it. Now you're not letting me get to the bullet points because you're screaming at me. You're not being Minnesota nice is basically what it boils down to. <laughs> so, as always, we're going to kick this episode off with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on, the servers humming, and, you know, really, really nice comments to each other is what, what, you, <laughs> what you're helping to fund. And we have a guest, Robert. We have a guest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, longtime listener. Uh, first time guest, Wes CP, author of Soul Wizard Awakening himself. We've talked about it on the show. Welcome to the show, Wes. Hello. Wow, that was sultry. I like that. It was. Yeah, that it was. That that perked me right up. I'm like, oh. That was a that was a tall glass of water right there. Quench <laughs> 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 <Which> my thirst. <laughs> Sorry, Wes. Oh, oh, it's gonna be that kind of episode. <laughs> I feel like I've set myself up for failure with the rest of the show if I don't keep talking like this now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just wait. We're going to be talking about thinner in a little bit. <laughs> That'll bring the nightmare into sharp focus. Anyway, moving right along. Speaking of that, gentlemen, happy National Sponge Cake Day. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The quintessential classic of the cake world, this airy queen of teas, is the guest of honor that we get the pleasure of tasting. Yes. Enjoy that. Enjoy that sponge cake, my friends. <laughs> and use that hashtag. Hashtag sponge cake day. Oh, I think this might be an all-time low on the day, the episode day. That That is, that is, we're digging deep on that one. Do you know why I support sponge cake day? I pre- <laughs> because it's the best time to get to use the word moist. There it is. There it is. <laughs> my my so my sister literally has a um phobia of the word moist. If you say moist to her, she gets distinctly uncomfortable, like goosebumps the whole thing. So I regularly say it. It's 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 actually like a kind of a widespread thing. Like 
it it is ranked one of the most hated words in the English language. It's it's something about it just really turns some people off. So I just lost you guys' viewers. Uh, yeah, it's one of the, I, I I've heard it described as a word that repels certain people. Weird. And thanks, thanks. I guess Wes, thank you. Yoke is another one mm. for some reason. I've heard people say I, they don't like yoke. Um, squirt. <laughs> I know. I know your. Uh, I know your brother Wes doesn't like the word turd. Actually, really, what a turd. Bulbous. I've, I I had a buddy that hated the word bulbous. <laughs> I don't know why, so we would often, often, often make bulbous comments. I don't like the word hunk. Mm. That's an interesting one. Yeah, it's it's just, I don't know, it's it's not a pretty word. Um, I was talking to somebody once, I have a hound dog, and I, I said, you know, yeah, just there's always slobber on the jowls. And she was like, oh, I don't like that word. And I said, slobber? She's like, no, jowls. They're just words that come with an extra descript, like a, a very visceral dis- mental description, I guess. I don't know. Jowls makes me think of Richard Nixon. Happy National Jowls Day, everybody! Stuff your stuff your jowls with some yeah, you know sponge what I, cake. You know what I realized? It's like all of those words are like reading a meme that has Professor Farnsworth on it. Like you get this like extra like sensory thing. Like, you know, if you read anything with, you know, professor Farnsworth, you hear it in the, I can't do professor Farnsworth anymore, <laughs> but you hear it in that voice. And yeah, those words just, it, it has like a tangible, it must be like what, like what's it called? Synesthesia, you know, where you associate. Yeah. Col- yeah. It must be what that's like, <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. All right. Before we get started, I just want to be- give a gigantic <laughs> shout out to, uh, Brendan. I wonder if we're going to see a huge loss in listeners in the first 45 seconds of the podcast like everybody tunes in and then as soon as we get to this okay this conversation first we're off see a dip we, we've got seven minutes of recording so probably six ish so it's not gonna be the first 45 seconds well Thank you're, you you're maybe we should put a trigger <laughs> anyway don't don't ruin my brendan 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 from uh, uh xyz games they put bigfoot in the gen con it was awesome Oh my gosh! Yeah, the pictures were amazing. He sent me a, a couple, and they, they won an award. Did you see that? Oh, I did not. I don't know. They they won one of the Gen Con awards from one of the media outlets for Game of the Show. So that was awesome. Well, well done, XYZ Games, and well done, Brendan uh, and your design partner Rob. Just want to give that shout out. And there are pictures of it over at the Discord and all over XYZ Games' uh, Twitter profile, including a video of them driving it into the convention hall, which was kind of amazing. Oh man, that's up there with when. Um, the upper deck was launching um, James Bond Legendary, and they had the Aston Martin there. You know, it's weird. So I was talking about it. Like, they didn't have Bigfoot ripped off at all. Uh, and I was saying, were you? Did you have like somebody guarding it? He's like, no, no. Everybody was very respectful of Bigfoot, and it's it's weird. Like, like that monster truck invokes such awe that you don't have people like you know trying to climb on it and rub up against it. They're like, no, man. There's there's something slightly sacred about this. We can't mess with it. Just let it exist. And, and yeah. we are better for being in its presence. It's weird. I, I would not have thought that about Bigfoot, but here we are. <laughs> Monster trucks are so much fun. Like, they're ridiculous, but they're really fun. Like, they're just neat. Wes, have you ever been to a, a Monster Truck show? Because I have not, and I, I'm feeling I might be missing something. No, not live. I, I, they definitely used to come on on TV uh, when we lived in small town, nothing to do, Kansas. Like, Wait, they would what? The- no. Really? The monster, the, the the like the the old monster trucks that like smash like yeah sometimes you would see like the 
the stuff on like late night TV and stuff. That is fracking amazing. I love that. Man, we did yeah. not get that in SoCal. Wait, That's you didn't get monster trucks on TV growing up? I don't. I don't remember it. No, I think that would. We out. had them in San Diego. The 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 local Fox outlet. It was Fox that had it. We didn't have many channels when I was growing up. Also, so like you know, there was nobody a- did unless you had an antenna that could spin. <laughs> No, see, you, you you laugh about that, but I did have an antenna that I, spun. I've been over and your that, antenna like, that spun. I know, I know. That it's, made me the envy of many of my friends who did not have a spinning antenna because they could not get KUSI. Please tell me more about your friend's envy of your spinning antenna. <laughs> they were moist about it. What can I say? <laughs> Moving around. Oh, I'm just sitting here silently vomiting. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to cut so much out of this. <laughs> You, I just got back from vacation. You have no idea how lazy I feel right now, man. This, the, <laughs> unless we're, unless we're just like, oh my gosh! Welcome to another episode of the <laughs> show. <sighs> <sighs> All right. <laughs> well, moving right along, it is of course now time for our off-the-shelf segment. That's where we talk about all the wonderful things we've had off of our shelves and into our homes and hearts and our tables and our digital media devices. And uh, yeah, Wes as the guest. What category would you like us to kick off right now? Uh, well, let's kick off something easy. Trust me, we'll find a way to make it difficult. All right. Well, let's uh, let's <laughs> let's talk RPGs because there only seems to be a couple on that for each of us. All right, RPGs. It is. Uh, what have you been playing, Wes? Uh, the main thing I've been playing uh, for the past month or so is uh fifth edition uh ravenloft so uh going up against strad oh yeah you guys are doing curse of strad yeah yeah and uh yeah oh my my god you really did just come back from minnesota (laughs) oh my god that just happened and we have it recorded it's fine when we start saying oofta, it's time to get out, as my parents decided when we lived in Minnesota, and Trevor started saying oofta, and that's when my parents decided it was time to get out. Oofta? I didn't hear that while I was there. <laughs> wait, wait, what is an oofta? It's a general term of expression, uh, you know, when you're just kind of like, oofta, that was a big load of groceries or something, you know, something simple. So it is spelled U-F-F space D-A, oofta. It is an exclamation or interjection used to express dismay, typically upon hearing bad, and then it gets cut off. Probably bad <laughs> news. You, oh, here we go. Uh, the, the Urban Dictionary has, it's an expression used to convey surprise, exhaustion, or a bunch of other feelings a Norwegian may have. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love the Urban Dictionary. All five emotions a Norwegian may have. Oh, God, what is happening here? The example they have is making all that lefse really... Oofta, making all that lefse really tired me out. What is lefse? Oh, a Norwegian flatbread. So so how is how is how is Curse of Strahd? I, I, that is one of the things I've always desperately wanted to run and never have ever gotten around to. Oh, if you do, you know I'm there, bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to hear, hear from the source. How, how, how's it going? It's it's going well, I think. I so uh, funny story about me and RPGs. I did not start with D and D really as as really my first RPG, you know. But we didn't play a lot of the modules, so like you know, so a lot of times like people are like, oh, this is a classic module to play. It's like cool. I look forward to playing it for the first time, and that's where I'm at with Strad. It's all very uh, 
dark and dreary and vampire horror movie-esque, I suppose. There's lots of the familiar tropes of the... It's very 50s horrors feeling, you know? Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Like, uh, universal, old-school stuff. Yeah, like, you know, because you got, like, the the towns that are haunted by ghosts, and, you know, you've got Strahd, who rules over everything, who lives in a castle, and it says in the description of the book, whenever somebody points towards the direction of the castles, the clouds part, revealing the castle. It's it's super, you know, cheesy, you know, old-school horror, so it's kind of, like, that's how all game is playing i think my sister wanted to run something a little bit more serious but it's fifth at D and nothing stays serious for long i read on the internet um if you try to have a serious game it will always devolve into silliness and if you try to have a silly game it will get super duper serious because uh if you try to do a silly game for whatever reason people get much more invested in their characters and then it you know thus it actually becomes super serious well and you know me rob i I, yeah. I wrote an article for this uh, for this site uh, about giving characters backgrounds. I, I write backgrounds for characters now. Um, <laughs> I have like a two or three page document for uh, Tamador, the half elf, half orc blade singer that I'm playing in this, like of how she came to be and everything. And yeah, I, I just really want to play, you know, Curse of Strahd. It just looks fun. Yeah, no, it, it was fun though. So I, I, de- I definitely would say it's it's worth checking out. Yeah, you're just making my wife cry because if I run it now, then I have to uh, over on the DMs Guild. Somebody made a uh, a product called She Is Ancient, and it gender flips every character in Curse of Strahd and gives them new backstories. So it'll make the adventure play slightly different. So Strahd becomes Ooh, that's a woman. Cool. Yeah, Strahd's a woman. Uh, Van Richten's a woman. Yeah, every every character gender flips that's named in the book, and it, it's a big product. It's like twenty bucks, and it's uh, it, it's over a hundred pages, and it just redoes everything to re- recontextualize everything. There's a product coming out where they basically redid D20 Modern, and I remember, I think it was in the third edition version of Ravenloft, they talked about using D20 Modern to run Ravenloft, and I'm like, oh, I should do that and just go like full cheese and actually have it set maybe in the fifties or in the late 1800s, uh, like the novel. I don't know. Just just go full into it. That'd be kind of fun. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Because, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, I'll run it with Everyday Heroes and I'll use She is Ancient, so we'll have this, like, 1950s black and white universal horror gender-flipped version of Strahd that I'll run. Ooh. I'll just do all of it. Strahd Noir would be dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm really down with that. I would place. <laughs> I am down with Noir anything. <laughs> oh, we need to like legitimately like. Do we need to make that happen? Yeah, it's on my list of things I want to do. So, oh, Dracula Noir. <sighs> just remember what I just said. If you try to be serious, it gets silly. So we should try to do something silly, and it'll become serious, dude. Like this is up there with Macbeth. Like when are we starting <laughs> to write this stuff? If, if we want to make it silly, then what we should do a proper is we should run it in World of Darkness because World of Darkness is an inherently silly game. Oh, I just made Rob I cry. I don't know if I can do that. No, no, I want to because I, I I kickstarted the Everyday Heroes, the D twenty Modern. I gotta play it. I because I I never played D twenty Modern when it came out. And I bought like everything for it, and if I buy it again and I don't play it, I think Gina's gonna murder me. So I, I actually have to use it this time. Anyway, anyway, that's 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 wishful thinking. 
there's there's a lot of wishful thinking. Um, all right, so Jonathan, you and I, uh, we are, we we finally finally after like two months off, uh, continue with Knights Knights Black Agents after after a cliffhanger too. So. Yeah, it was good to get back in. It was good to get back in. And the, the action is really starting to ratchet up. And it's very clear that we are pivoting on a plot point. And also, I'm terrified because apparently my character's in the crosshairs. Yeah, it's good times. It's good times. Ah, I don't like this. I don't like this. Mildly unsettling. Dracula knows your name, sir. Dracula yeah, knows your name. Cool. Yeah, that's not cool. Nobody wants that. <laughs> He's known your name since the get-go. Since I know, jump. which is really upsetting. Like, I'm wondering when the plot twist is coming. <laughs> Oh, it's good stuff, Jonathan. It's good stuff. My favorite. Uh, I mean, bit- I'm having a great time. I, I really, I really, really like this. This um, not just the module, but I really like the system, uh, and it really hums together with the module. You know, I was um, I was listening to a podcast um, which has a ridiculous name, so I will I will look it up because I'm not going to be able to think of it on my own. So, okay, so the podcast is called as it comes up, Ludo Narrative Dissidents. And it's uh, a guy from Role Playing Public Radio and a British guy, and I think it's wait, John. Wait, 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 wait! There's a Role Playing Public Radio. Yeah, yeah, it's a podcast. Go look it up. Yeah, it's called Role Playing oh. Public Radio. Uh, so it's Greg Stolze. There we go. James. Hold, Walls. hold on. Do they do they have the intro? I don't. And welcome to another episode of Role Playing Public Radio. Actually, yeah, they've done that. I've heard them. Oh do my that. god, that's amazing. So it's Greg Stolze, James Walls, and Ross Payton, and they review role-playing games. And one of the things they said about Knights Black Agents is they said it's like the board gamers role-playing game because uh, the whole points thing is such a board gaming concept, and board gamers would love that. And it just made me think of you and Ray and how much you talk about loving this game because, like, the tension of the game isn't about, like, necessarily the story. It's about you as a as a gamer watching your slow depreci- depletion of your resources. Maybe that's why I'm really enjoying it so much. Yeah. That's a yeah. really good point. I hadn't thought of that, but damn, that's actually a really good insight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel used. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wes, we had a good moment where they, they damn ran it. Like they legitimately, I feel like I just got dissembled mentally. Like <laughs> that's a valid, that's a, that's a valid insight. Wow. Do, do you need a moment? Should I talk to Wes about something else? No, I'm good. I'm going to make it through this. I'm just, <laughs> wow. That, I, I'd never thought about it. And really, that's got me thinking about a lot of things now. <laughs> yeah, they had a good moment where they ran into their first actual factual vampire that was awake at night. And uh, Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was not a pleasant day in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Gina's character came running in to try to do battle with her. And uh, she heated her over a 10-foot wall. <laughs> it was good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Didn't we just, like... <laughs> torch the place where the first time we ran into a vampire in our game i feel like we just torched the whole place yeah yeah i say we just nuke it from orbit it's the only way to be sure that yeah. was that was our team's uh solution to the vampire problem was nuke them all and worry about questions later we no yeah, yeah this all tracks yeah, it was funny, actually. I was talking to Gina about the game earlier, and she realized, she's like, how far did we get? Because uh, Gina got pregnant with the twins, and so the, the game we were playing fizzled out. Yeah. And, and, uh, and actually, she, well, she was pregnant with the twins during it. It's just she was getting so pregnant, she couldn't play anymore. Oh, and, yeah, it was. Yeah. You guys got busy. It happens. Life. Yeah. Yeah. But so we got to the the part four of six uh, of our game. And, and she's like, wait a minute, how far did we get? I'm like, part four. And she's like, and where are we at? I'm like, you're, you're starting part four. And it's like, part four in our old game. I, I hate to get meta, but that's when we met Dracula, huh? And I'm like, yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> and she's like, damn it. 
and she started like thinking it was it was cute but yeah see see the game jonathan it's 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 got a flow it's got a flow i i'm excited to see where it goes i i have really really been enjoying it i don't like that i'm on the crosshairs i'd much prefer it if the french guy was but that's just me <laughs> yeah yeah he drained uh, a vampire or dracula or somebody drained your niece she's in the hospital yeah, that's not cool. That's not cool. Don't go after the heartstrings. Yeah, yeah, well. It's Dracula, sir. I need my Lucy. I'm just saying. Just saying. Oh, I know. Damn you. All right, all right. Wes, what should we move on to? Uh, la, la. Board games? All right, board games. So, I see uh, an old favorite there, Takanoko. Yeah, so... The world's most chill game like that is it's the most chill game one of the most chill games there's like a whole series of those like quiet you know like they've got the um the japanese motifs and themes that are like just kind of like chill out you know play stuff another chill game splendor oh yeah Although the splendor splendor like as you get to the end game that one can make the, the claws come out yeah it definitely can, but like, my I, wife and I almost got divorced over a game of Splendor. Wow, so, you know, there's we got that going for us, which is nice. Have we, you played the iOS version of Takanoko, by the way? No, and actually, the reason this came about is I don't actually own this game, unfortunately. Um, but um, we went, we did that uh, thing called socializing with like friends from um, you might remember that from the pre-pandemic days and the I don't understand what you're saying um, when you were much younger uh, whole healthy and you know could still run up the stairs without drawing much breath uh, you might have gone out with people and like talked to them yeah I've heard legends of these things Jonathan he speaks of the long ago the long ago (laughs) the world with which was once known but no longer yeah, but we went to uh, Emerald Tavern with some of Cleo's co-workers, and we played Takanoko, and it was chill, and it was fun. Takanoko gonna... is indeed chill. Yeah. <laughs> and fun, I might add. Yeah, and Rob, I don't know if you you heard, because um, I think Emerald Tavern moved into the Shoelocks location and have like a big old space now. I I did hear that. I did. Yeah. They expanded the menu a bunch too, so good for them. I suppose it's nice. They did a they did space up real nice. Really I know nice. it's a little bit of a sore subject for you, Rob. Maybe no, no, no. Uh, truth be told, uh, when I owned a store, there was only one shop that uh, was my nemesis, and and I had feelings about. But uh, they're under new ownership now, so it's it's nice actually. I I, I follow that shop now, and I wish them well, and it, because it's it's different people now, so I can I can appreciate them, you know. So all of my ill feelings to any store in Austin are are no longer there. I wish everybody the best. Yeah, but if you're over the, in Austin, Emerald Tavern's kind of a fun place to go get dinner. Oh yeah, if you if you ever come back, I'm taking you there. Yeah, so that was board games for me. Uh, we might be going again this Friday, so maybe I'll get some more board gaming in. Nice. Rob, tell me about Intervention. Intervention, uh, I'm playing it on the board game arenas with Ray, and uh, I'm not digging the interface because I don't remember the game well enough to actually play it well. <laughs> it's it's This is the game I described as a not poopy uh, uh, flux because it's a little bit more strategic and has better choices. 
I'm like enjoying playing it, but it's a, I, I, I I needed to have more mastery of it before I, I tackled it in Board Game Arena because I'm it, I don't know if I'm missing things because the buttons are in weird places or if because the buttons don't come up unless I can do it and I kind of only vaguely remember the rules so I I yeah and I I we still have that game of Jaipur open too that I haven't touched because I haven't gotten around to watching a video because I was on vacation I, I that's my excuse I'm not gonna it's just waiting on you home slice I know I know it's waiting on me I just yeah I need to watch videos for both of them but yeah no I I, I like it eventually don't get me wrong like I um I'm annoyed because I need I need to actually you know go pay attention to it and watch a watch a video to remember how to play because it that's it's not happening. You and I have also been playing in our welcome to match. That's going well. Um, oh, oh, you know what I did? You know what I did? I signed up for a month of uh, of the board game arenas so we could play that with my cousin that we were staying with out in Minnesota. Because she, uh, she, oh, nice. Her job is uh, she takes uh, realtor photography, so she goes out to open like commercial sites with her drone and, or actually with the company's drone, and flies around and, and takes images and uh, and video and then edits edits together so they can put it up on you know for sale or rent or whatever. But it's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we were playing that. She was, she was kind of getting into it. I, I don't know if she wanted to play it again. I, I haven't asked her, but yeah, I don't know. We had fun. My daughter got in on it too. We had a fun night of just sitting around staring at our screens and bitching about, you know, what was coming up on the game that we were all kind of shared playing. It was fun. Quality family bonding time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm telling you, that's like the perfect game for board game arena. Like it's it. Well, welcome to Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. It's it's got the perfect flow for the for the interface. It really really does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wes, you should get on that. Yeah, that's maybe. the beauty. That that's the beauty. Of Welcome too. You can just pretty much add as many people as you want. It doesn't really screw anything up. Well, I've got Welcome to, of course, and I've also been playing a couple games, preparing them for deep dive. Uh, I have been playing the Robotech game, which we've had a Robotech game on the show before, but this is the um, uh, Attack on the SDF one game mm, yeah we talked about that in uh off or the uh, news segment ages ago i vaguely remember that yeah i'm uh, i'm getting that prepped up for a, a deep dive and then um same with jaws which seemed like a good way to end the summer and um yeah of course you and i um have started a game of jaipur which you have yet to jump into but i've had other games of jaipur and i love that game I, it's just such a lovely lovely game and the ios implementation by the way if you get an opportunity to play it is phenomenal and then also the kids and I sat down and played some more Marvel United, which is turning out to be just a regular th- occurrence in the house. The kids really dig it. It's just a good, solid, fun game. Like there's no, you know, doesn't need to be super deep, doesn't need to be super complicated. It's just a good, solid, fun game. Nice. Um, and yeah, that's about it for me. Um, Robotech's awesome, but it's very, um, it's got some crunch to it. So it, it takes some time to get through a game. All right, Wes, where shall we move on to? Uh, well... Let's move into reading, I guess. Rad. So, Mr. Author, what have you been reading? Yeah. Uh, so oh, good. You've uh, been reading stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I moved to it, because if I hadn't read anything, I would have skipped it almost. Um, <laughs> that would have been super embarrassing as an author to be like, I haven't read anything lately. Read my book. Um, <laughs> so, Paleus Lost is done by my friend Jake Morrison. Um, Rob, you might remember Jake. He worked at... I, I, I do. I do. Yeah. This is Jake's uh, first novel, and uh, it's it's some good old sci-fi with kind of a modern update, if you will. Like, I, 
like Jake is a great writer and he I think that his characters have a little bit like more depth than a lot of old sci-fi but he's also I don't think like really trying to necessarily say hey look I can do sci-fi better than everyone else he's saying hey look at this thing I love and come love it with me so it's a really good book highly recommend it um it's available on all those other places also, I've been listening to The Dresden Files. I published an urban fantasy book, so I figured maybe I should actually, like, catch up on, you know, the biggest urban fantasy series um, on the market. But I've been listening to those on Audible uh, with uh, James Marsden reading them, and he is fantastic. Oh, James Marsden reads them on Audible? Oh, and he is so good. Like, Yeah, no, he'd be perfect for it. That's awesome. It's, um, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of other people and reviews I've read about them, like, people actually say, like, listen to the audiobook rather than read them. Like, it's one of those few series where, like, you could actually make the argument that it's almost more enjoyable, and a lot of that is Marsden. That's a really good matchup. I... I did not know that. That makes me want to go back and reread them all again, but this time on audio. audio. Yeah, so been enjoying that. Just finished up. Uh, the more you know. Yeah. Da, na, na, na. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. Only children from our our time period. <laughs> I, I tried showing my kids the, uh, the G.I. Joe PSA jokes on YouTube, and they just don't understand why it's funny. You know, I was thinking the other day that failed as a parent. GI Joe was slightly, like, just slightly before my time, but it was like just enough there that like the toys were still popular, and like they still had like some of the PSAs running. So for like a kid who never watched the show, I say pork chop sandwiches. I say the more you know, knowing is half the battle. An awful lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I picked up uh, uh, Flip the Table. They, they used to do a podcast, and they, they did a riff on that is, uh, and now you know, and knowing is how you know stuff. And I, I've not been saying that. <laughs> it's one of my favorites that they said. <laughs> All right, Robert, what have you been reading? Well, I've been on the plane and stuff. I read a little bit more of the sequel to uh, The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter, the uh, awesomely titled, uh, probably the best one in the series, European Travel for the Monstrous Gentlewoman. Oh, well, you were, don't let me forget to read that series. I want to read that series. It's still good. I'm having a good time. Uh, this one is uh, obviously about them traveling in Europe. I haven't gotten too much farther because I, so I had, I had to finally break down and get some old man glasses, you know, like reading glasses, which sucks. Like I hate that my eyes have gotten old, <laughs> oh, buddy. but uh, I, I didn't have them because I got prescription ones because uh, my, my eyes haven't gotten that much worse. So my, my guy's like, I want your insurance money. What if we got you reading glasses? I'm like, that would probably be a good idea because reading on the elliptical is also getting hard. So, but I didn't have them on the plane and just the way that the seats were like, uh, I had to hold the iPad in a weird position. <laughs> and so the top of the iPad was just a little too close. And then the bottom was just a little too far away and it made reading just really annoying. And then I didn't just end up reading at all. Cause I was, uh, we were doing so much stuff in Minnesota on my vacation. So I just didn't get a chance to read. It's very sad. Uh, but while I was there, I did take the time to read what I talked about in the last episode, which is they've been releasing stuff about Trinity Ether, uh, which is that role-playing game that I am in on. And by the time you hear this podcast, it will be over. So you should have backed it. It's not Penny Dreadful, the RPG. It's a little bit more mad science-y, but it is kind of that in that vein of uh, the grand unifier of all fiction from that era. Like they have said out loud that the Martians are invading 
Frankenstein's monster exists, as does Dracula, as does Nikola Tesla, as does Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Sherlock Holmes. And like just so many people are are name dropped in that. It's ridiculous. And so it, it's one of those where every character from that era ever and before all exist <laughs> and are doing stuff and Martians. Cause why not? And uh, yeah, everybody's fooling around with a substance called ether, which is uh, a, a weird green energy that can rewrite reality. And uh, it's good times. It's good times. It's more League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think that's, that's a better way to describe it. A little bit more science fiction. I'm kind of down with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I am excited. The, uh, the setting secrets chapter is actually due out tomorrow. So that's the final reveal of the manuscript, but it's the one that'll like put all the cards on the table. So I'm like really looking forward to it. Wes, where do we go now? Well, I think TV is going to take kind of a good chunk. So let's, let's knock video games out because that's easy for me. Uh, the new Teenage Mutant. I see you've no- been playing one of my faves. Total. Sith. Oh yeah, Civ. Uh, yeah, let's get let's get on Civ okay. here for a second. Uh, so I am because that's one of my faves. I'm kind of a terrible Civ player, uh, in all honesty. Terrible is in the world must bow to your every women need. No, uh, more of or- like the I get I like kind of start getting like when I play big strategy games, like I can't help but start write, like telling myself stories to kind of like help keep me engaged. And then I kind of forget to like, you know, like figure out optimal positions for like, sort of like how to build things or like, you know, just kind of like get like super hyper focused on one part and forget to run the rest of the empire sometimes. So it, uh, it's a thing, but it's a lot of fun. Do you have a favorite, uh, kingdom or civilization, I guess would um, be the more appropriate? I haven't one. played through them all yet. Big fan of Gaul and uh, Portugal. You know who I liked when I was playing that game a lot? Canada. Canada. <laughs> I liked I liked making hockey rinks. That was my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah, we're um. What are we doing right now? We're on uh the. I forgot what the map style is, but it's like it's one continent with like five arms branching off like a center little circle um area. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think there's like six, I think it's like a six player map or at max of six players. And you like, usually when I'm playing, I'm playing with my brother and, um, right now he's playing Rome and I'm playing Byzantium. The map like, uh, set us like right next to each other. And he was on the Western side and I was on the Eastern side, which tickled my historic, uh, my history buff bone a little bit. And then, we're running up against... I, I took out Egypt, we're taking out Alexander, and then we're going after Dido. So I get into the kind of the RP, my empire aspect of this a lot. Nice. I like it. I like it. I do that a little bit with Stellaris too much sometimes. Oh, yeah, I do that with Stellaris <laughs> a lot. Like Yeah. I, I always end up making the UFP. Like, I... I and, and anytime I try to, like, go against it, I, like, have to, like, fight myself so so hard <laughs> to do anything else. Like I, I made up, I made up the, the dynasty of the yellow sign as an alien empire and uh-huh. you know, and they, they had slaves and they were just awful. And I, 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 I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I, I, I gave it up and then I ran into those bastards in another game and they were mean. <laughs> yeah. I do that with a lot of games. actually like, uh, another game I have on the list here, league of legends. Like, I don't play it often, but, like, occasionally I'll go play, like, the um, AVAM, the all-random-all-mid mode, and it's, like, 
quick 20-minute games because that's usually what, what I might have time for. So then I just sit there and tell myself ridiculous stories about, like, the various characters and them, like, getting mad at each other and, like, stuff throughout the course of the match and talking shit. You know, like, but, like, better written than, like, the actual chat that's going on of, you know, raging League of Legends players. So are, are you, like, narrating it to yourself, like, the, the narrator and, like, uh, what was that, Bastion would do? Oh, I love that. More of like, like I'll like read up the law on like one of the characters. So like I like read up the law on Volibear, and then like I just sit there for like you know a time like just being like, okay, I am in the mind of an angry bear god who summons lightning. So I've heard uh, I've heard stories of the the new TMNT game. That's uh, it's like the it's oh, it's like a riff supposed on- to be quite good. My brother and my cousin, uh, we all picked it up and played it quite a bit, and it was. It's going to tickle the nostalgic memories of any kid from the 80s or the 90s who remembers remembers the hype and remembers the arcade game. Like Oh, that four-player arcade cabinet was yeah, just mm-hmm. choice when you were a young person. That was just that was the, one of those little slices of It was it was it was that and uh the Simpson came with the two coins. Yeah. Like you could Absolutely. blow your week's allowance on that game. Do you want to hear a fun fact about the Simpsons game? So you know how everybody gets like electrocuted in that game? Uh if you look at Marge when she gets electrocuted, you'll notice that she has rabbit ears, and that was because the original idea for Marge, if the Simpsons didn't last, is that they were gonna reveal in the last episode that Marge was a rabbit. And she was one of the characters in Life from Hell. And that's why her hair was so big, because she was hiding her rabbit ears underneath them. And be- <laughs> because the arcade game was based off of a lot of those original drawings and stuff from the early, early Simpsons, that's why she has rabbit ears in that. And then by the end of the first season, it was, of course, kind of like a hit, and they got away from that. So, But yeah, yeah, that's why Marge has rabbit ears in that game. <laughs> that, that's a disturbing thought about the Simpsons, yeah. that... Well, it, it makes uh, Lisa and Bart's hair make sense, because, you know, it just their heads yeah, are no spiking. Kidding. Yeah, <laughs> you know this is this has been the the podcast because we we haven't done it like on the air but we sent each other a couple of like memes and stuff that have been oddly disturbing we're just having these oddly disturbing facts like surreal yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that thing was so fine <laughs> oh god how dare you <laughs> do not bring up nightmare muppet again <laughs> That that's actually a holdover from our Strad game because my cousin, my cousin is running around. Uh, he's playing this like Dragonborn. I don't know some sort of Templar thing. I don't pay that much attention, but he has this little puppet that's a frog that he calls uh, Kermit the Strad, and he does the voice and mocks Strad <laughs> at the various Kermit the like Strad, like at the you know variously confused uh, villagers who are like you know terrified for their like immortal souls, and then there's you know all band of baboons running around with a puppet making fun of like what is essentially everyone's god <laughs> in this in his little pocket dimension thing so <laughs> so yeah so my sister saw that 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 awful thing and said this is what i picture kumit the strad like and then it had to roll down to you guys i guess that'll be on the website go look at our dope memes page. oh god or don't <laughs> and continue your ability to sleep. It's like watching Thinor, but 
No, it's like watching. No, all. no, it hurt less. It hurt less. <laughs> That's true. It hurt less. <laughs> actually, I didn't put anything down for video games, Jonathan. But I actually have played one of the things that you have on your list. So I, I will just, I will, I will bow to you and and riff off of you. What have I played? I have played um, not a ton. Uh, I got back into Fall Guys. <laughs> yeah, me too. Actually, I was playing it on vacation because it came out for the Switch, and we took our Switch with us. Yeah, Lincoln got really into it on the Switch, and he comes into my office one day, and he's like, Dad, let's play some Fall Guys. And I said, okay, bud. Sounds good. So I downloaded it, and now all of a sudden I find myself completely hooked and on the Battle Pass. Yeah. Have you ever played Fall Guys, Wes? No, no, I haven't. Okay, it's kind of like, okay, it's kind of like the Mattel version of America Gla- American Gladiators. I guess that's the best way to describe it. <laughs> awesome. Dude, it, it, it's, it's, it's like um, Play School's My First Running Man. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the episode title? (laughs) It it might be. (laughs) Play School's my first running man. But tell me it's not. No, yeah, no. Yeah, you're basically, you get in a game, and it's it's a battle royale. You start with typically 60 people, and you run, like, obstacle courses, or you do dumb little team games, and, you know, it eliminates players every time. You know, like, if it's two teams versus each other, then one team just gets kicked at the end of it. And you just try to play to be in the last game where there's usually like the lowest I've had was two. And the most I've had is like 10 people in the last round. And you just and then if you win, you get a crown and that's all you win. (laughs) And the crown is now that the game has gone free to play. It's just bragging rights. There's like literally nothing to it. And uh, I've actually played it around your brother, Wes. And he he, he says, like, I, I don't know how you don't get frustrated at this game. And it's like, it's really low stakes. Like, if you fail, it's just like, oh, well, I'll, I'll start up a game. Because, like, it's like, whose line is it anyway? You know, everything's made up and the points don't matter. You know, it's just like, yeah, whatever. Well, if I lose, I'll just go again. That doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess that is what it is I like about it. It is totally low stakes. Sometimes, oh my God, that, sometimes that game can be infuriating. Yeah, but it's hard to stay mad at it because it's so like pastel. No, you can't stay mad at it because as, as soon as you see the little dude just like bounce up and, and kind of bounce funnily off something, it's it, it's just charming. Yeah, yeah. Pure it, charm. But it's free to play, Wes, and I know it's on PC. So yeah, just download it and give it a try. It's, yeah, it's when I find some spare time. There you go. <laughs> well, you tell you, you told me you cycle through your hobbies. So next time, write, write it down, and then when you you get back to video games or something, like yeah, just just give it a go. It's 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 worth it's worth giving it like a day's play. You'll either like it or you hate it, and it doesn't matter. It's free right now. Yeah. All right, Jonathan. And then you you've been uh, playing Super Monaco GP. Yeah. So um, a couple of weekends ago, I went to uh, the Classic Games Fest here in Austin. So it was a um, basically just a weekend event, and it was all retro games. And um, yeah, I have been slowly collecting all the F1 games that have ever been made. And I ran into this little gem. It's the Super Monaco GP for the Sega Genesis, based on the arcade game. And um, of all things, Lincoln and I have both really gotten into it, and we just keep playing it over and over again. Especially him. He's getting really good at it. Oh, yeah, the yeah, Genesis yeah. Came- yeah, I remember this. yeah. yeah. It was fantastic. And it, oddly enough, like going back to it with, with, you know, modern eyes playing the modern everything, like just a surprising amount of technology here. Like there's, there's the, the, the tracks are the tracks. Like obviously they're, they're being shown given the technology at the time, but I mean, I'm just surprisingly engaged with it. There's a, a handling model. Like the car has behavior. It, it's, it's interesting. I'm really having a good time. You know, I think it's interesting. I think of the various genres of games, I think racing games are the ones that 
I don't know, tend to have like longer lifespans and you can get back into them even on modern systems. Like old shooters are almost impossible to play. Yeah. Agreed with the shooters. Like they are yeah, you suffer. Yeah, I I uh I did a couple weeks ago I kinda got my itch to like uh I've been resisting it since all that stuff went down, but, you know, my Warcraft itch, and so I've loaded up Warcraft 1 off of good old games, and I can get through it, but it's uh, it's it's rough sometimes. But then there's the occasional game that, that just has aged very, very well. Like, I, I've play, replayed through the, the original Halo several times, and, like, that game just holds up. It, it's always engaging and fun. The game that I can always go back to, uh, Trevor plays this a lot too, is Master of Orion 2. Like, that game, it looks old, but it doesn't, because of the way it was laid out, it's, you can, you can see the strategy, you get engaged with, like, the various races and the different play styles. It's like Stellaris before Stellaris existed. I yeah, I, it's been a long time since I played Master of Orion. I, I should go back and play it. Yeah, again. don't play the new one. It's not not the same. All right. Well, I think that leaves us with uh, movies and TV, right? TV, yeah. yeah. Movies and TV. Well, I see that at least Jonathan and I, and I have watched The Boys season three recently. I'm not quite done. I'm not quite done. I think I got an episode okay. and a half left. I, I've got more than that. I think I'm on episode three or four, so I'm about halfway. Well, I'm gonna say I enjoyed it. It's a lot. <laughs> well, it's the boys. <laughs> well, you know, like, okay, like, when I first read the boy, the comic, the boys, you know, longer ago than I really want to calculate, sadly, like, it was, yeah, it was over the top, and it was, you know, there was a lot of blood, and, you know, the, they, were, they were intending for it to kind of be offensive, and there was, you know... N- you know, adult nudity and stuff in there, but it was like, it was always like sarcastic and like kind and over the top. And so like it fit into satire for me, even though like, yeah, it's like, okay, the superheroes are all terrible, but like the comic was definitely like satire of comic book industry too. Whereas this is like, it's emotionally draining. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's rough, man. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And season three could just be called The Boys Season Daddy Issues. Like, like, and and I know you're not that far into it yet, Rob, but all, you, you've already seen some of it, and it only increases from there. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that show is legit bananas. It, it's bananas. But I like all of the arcs, and they're all telling me different things in a lot of ways, about the same characters. I don't want to, you know, I'm trying not to spoil, and but, like, the similarities that you see between three of the major characters, um, and one of them is very subtle, so, like, I think they did a good job with that. What I like about the show over the comic is the the comic was a little edgelordy, like, it was trying to be offensive for offensiveness sake sometimes, and the boys... It's really over the top, but at least it always serves the story for something awful to happen. You know, it's over the top, but I hate to say it, and I don't know if this is just me being cynical or what. I feel like it's the most accurate view of what what would actually happen if supers existed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I know that makes me 
sound like a really like cynical person, but oh my God, like it, the, the abuse of power is, is absolutely how people would react. No doubt. That, that's what the comic was about. But this one gets the benefit of having come out after the Marvel Cinematic Universe was a thing. And so yeah. they, they have a rich ground to go play in uh, riffing off of that. Whereas when the boys comics came out, like if you didn't know a lot about the comic industry at the time, a lot of like what they were trying to do would go over your head because it was just, you know, weird and over the top. But they were they, they were it was very much digging satire at the comic book industry of the time. So and this is yeah, it's just taking place now. I don't know. Anyway, let's not talk about it. I don't want to I don't want something to get accidentally spoiled. I'm having a good time watching it. Oh, bananas, for sure. Speaking of bananas, Vichu, I don't know what to make of this show. Actually, I know exactly what to make of this show. Like, there's moments where that show is great, and then there's moments where that show is absolute, like, what am I watching garbage? And then there's moments where that show is making a point on the left side of the spectrum, and then there's times where you're like, this is just right-wing propaganda. Like, I I don't know how to process it. It, you know, it honestly, it is it it fits exactly within the American spy genre because there's like the British spy dramas and there's American spy dramas. And then there's, you know, probably like Russian spy dramas, but I've never seen any of those. So I don't know what they're like. But, you know, like British spy dra- dramas, you know, you have the Bond characters, you've got the gentleman spy and they're, you know, they're conducting warfare, like, you know, they're doing warfare, but it's on this like higher plane of, you know, like empires and struggles and, you know, fighting for the queen and country kind of thing. And then the American one is like, I don't know, it's the Jack Vians and the, um, and the Vichos and stuff who are like military tough guys who are like fighting for like all of the kind of the BS history that like they tried to push on us in school that, erase like all of the bad parts of American history. I can't figure out if I even like Reacher or not. I like the actor. Like the character. I think the actor is doing exactly what oh, he yeah, needs yeah. to do for that role. No, no, no. This isn't a, yeah, this is definitely not an actor thing. I mean like the character itself. Like I can't figure out whether I like the guy or not. They, he is very much American Sherlock Holmes. And that's probably a little bit of a holdover from the fact that the writer of the books is British. I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, he. It was a. It's a British guy writing them, and it almost makes sense as of like this is like a British guy's like kind of stereotype of the Tom Clancy genre, and then it kind of falls into place. I think a little bit more of who Vicho is. Uh, I think uh, Trevor was telling me that, like, also at one point, the writer wanted to sell more cop, like, more of his books in France, and so he made Vichu's mother French, and that's why she's. That was an odd fact. Yeah, and it's simply because he wanted to get more of the French uh, book market. That makes sense because at, at the whole time that they were going through that subplot, I was sitting there like. I, don't know what the purpose of this is. Like, it feels like it's trying to have a purpose, but I couldn't figure it yeah, out. Yeah, it's simply to draw on the French market. That's that's a little... So, like, when you start looking at Rachel through that lens, I think it, you can kind of give it a little bit more... Think of it as slightly American um, patriotism satire. It, it's, it's a weird show. Robert, are you planning on watching it? 
I'd like to, but probably not. I got way too much stuff to watch. It's not very high on my list, so don't worry about it. I just would be very curious to hear your opinion on it. All right, all right. I'll put it higher on my list. I'll try. <clears throat> speaking of which, speaking of the spy genre, gentlemen, if if you want some homework to watch some other weird spy genre stuff, I know I know Wes has watched this because we've talked about it. Uh, I, I don't know if you've watched MI5, Jonathan, but that, that show, speaking of spy shows, <laughs> holy God. I've heard really good things. Holy I need God. to watch it. It's, it's a little dark. I've been re-watching that on my Insomnia Nights, actually, because it's like... I don't know. I'm familiar enough with the characters that, like, it doesn't keep me too awake, but, like, I can kind of, like, you know, just have it on. Another one, and you'll like this, Jonathan. There's an old British show called Ultraviolet. Uh, not that crappy movie with uh, the vampire. Oh, God, that movie. No, 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 no. Oh, no. my God, that no, movie. No, 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 no. The, oh, please, just, oh, God. No, no, like, no. Can we, now we just need to retire that word. This was a 1998 BBC show, and it started. Uh, one of the stars was a uh, young Idris Ilba, uh, so you'll like it because of that. But it's about a British uh, spy agency going to war with vampires, straight up. Uh, and th- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, is this yeah. where Knight's Black Agent got its inspiration from? Is there a title? Uh, no, no. I've actually heard the story where this that that got. And this this is uh, probably covert. Actually, I'm pretty sure Ken Height watched this show. Uh, Ken Height says he got the idea for Knights Black Agents. He was uh, waiting on the train in Chicago and it was really foggy. And uh, and he was looking around and everything was kind of liminal and creepy. And he's like, this is vampire weather. <laughs> he's like, I should be careful. There could be vampires about. And, uh, and then he's like, who would fight vampires in the modern day? And it just dawned on him that Jason Bourne would. And then the whole game kind of just started springing from that. But yeah, Ultraviolet's definitely... I think it's on the list of what you should watch if you're going to run Night's Black Agents. I wish you'd never said that because now the next time we play, I'm going to have it in my head that somehow I'm just going to have to work in. Oh, my God. It's Jason Bourne. (laughs) Not not it's vampire weather. You're going to have to work it. Yeah. Anyway, we talk about Bourne all the time because there's the three B's of spying. There's Bond, Bjorn and Bauer. And you got to figure out which one you are. Did you say Bjorn? (laughs) He did. I just say Bjorn. (laughs) Beyond the Norwegian. Oh, God, that was a terrible accent. Please cut that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ultraviolet, it's uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, you have to watch it with ads because it's part of Freebie, I guess. But yeah, not not the one with Mila Jolovich, the uh, the series with Idris Elba. Uh, just I told you, we just don't speak of that. OK, it's better. It's better for all of mankind if we never speak of it. But but the the whole I, I did this in both my Knights Black Agents games, the whole thing where vampires can't uh, be seen and can't talk on the phone. Actually, that's from that show. Uh, 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 one of the guys who's a vampire has that uh, that he uses that service that deaf people use to call out uh, because he can't, he can't talk on the phone. So he has to like type stuff to a, an interpreter who do, who does things through him. Yeah, it's good times. It's good times. Oh, okay. Wes. Wow. You, oh, we still got stuff on your list. God, we've been recording for forever. OK, Wes. Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, no spoilers. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I'm yeah. definitely no, going to no, watch no, it. No, no, yeah, don't no, tell no, me no, anything so, either because I haven't so watched I'm, it either. I'm actually rewatching from season one because I watched season one and two like way back, like when they first came out, like forever ago. And then through Oh, yeah, you were like one of the only people I knew who had the DC service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I had it when it was on DC. Um,. And then, like, after they switched over, I just never got back into it. So, like, I'm re-watching it from the beginning. And it um, it's interesting. It's kind of a time capsule of, like, weird, like, pop culture references that were, like, relevant three years ago that, like, aren't <laughs> relevant now. And, like, so, like, this thing's like, oh, I forgot that was kind of a thing that, you know, 
like popped up with all the other stuff that's like being crammed into the past of the year. So season one, kind of a nice time capsule of like what the world was, you know, talking about right before the right right around the pandemic hit and the gossip. So uh so, in ties with the t- uh, to the Ninja Turtle game that I got, uh, when, Al- when uh, my oldest son Alex was down for the summer, we uh, he played it, uh, kind of for lack of other things, and then I felt, well, okay, if you're going to play the game, you should, like, you know, see the movies, because I couldn't find the, the original uh, cartoon streaming at the time. I think it's streaming somewhere now, but... Uh, the movies were on HBO, so we watched the first two of those, and he enjoyed them. How, how do those hold up? I haven't watched them with adult eyes. They entertain a nine-year-old boy very well. Yeah, that, that tracks. That's about how old I was. <laughs> Casey Jones is um, not aged well at all. <laughs> Which is a pity, because that actor's quite Yeah, good. no, they, uh, you know... Um, but yeah, the uh, and the second one, like the second one, has plot issues. Like they call it, like they don't like. There's like a lot of like weird plot holes in that one. That like wait, wait, wait. The movie that gave us the ninja rap has a plot hole. I, I, I know, I know. This is not a visual medium, and you can't see it. But here is my shocked face right here. Alex had no understanding of who, like, Vanilla Ice was at the time and, like, just how, like, he was, like, popular. <laughs> like, because the early 90s was a strange, strange time of... Yeah, it, it, well, it was coming fresh off the, the strange, strange time that was the, the 80s. <laughs> that that seeped into a while. That, that took a while to kind of shake itself out. I remember it was in the 90s, uh, the first time I didn't get let into an R- R- R-rated movie. That was the first time. It, it was on my birthday. It was on my birthday. I was 17, and, like, rated R is you have to be 17 or older. And I showed up. I'm like, I want to see this rated R movie. And they're like, well, you're not 18. We're not letting you in. It's like, the th- it's just right there. It's 17. And oh my god, that's what happened to me with Lawnmower Man. Yeah, yeah. So, also, I, I, you guys probably talked about this, but we did watch Strange New Worlds to completion. Mm, mm, so, uh, no, no comment. Actually, I I'm, haven't, I haven't talked to you I'm about this, Wes. There. I know you're getting there, Wes. No spoilers. What, what, do you like that show as much as I do? <laughs> I am afraid for the show because it has broken one of the cardinal rules of Star Trek, and that's that the first season or two has to suck and strange new world season one is the it it i loved it like it's like some of the episodes missed a little bit but agreed agreed without spoilers i felt like a couple things didn't quite pay off or maybe they haven't paid off fully yet but I never I I know exactly the, the doctor you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> I yes. did not hate watching any episode. Yeah, no, like the weakest episode was like maybe a six or seven. <laughs> like it was still well above right, par. Don't, you're, you're killing me here. You're killing me. It's, it, 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 is cl- it is watching old school Star Trek without accidentally having to watch, you know, a crusher episode. 
or watching really, really old school Star Trek and not accidentally watching an episode where they utter the phrase out loud that women can't be starship captains because they're too emotional, like the series finale of the original series. Oh, well, you know, but my, my wife likes to occasionally, when she's feeling very overwhelmed, just start yelling out, brain and brain, what is brain? And... <laughs> And all of the trauma comes rushing back. <laughs> but yes, yeah, Strange New Worlds, fantastic. It is the best season one of any Star Trek show, I think, as far as just out of the gate, understands what it needs to be, except for maybe Lower Decks. Yeah, Lower Decks hit pretty good, too. Yeah, but this is... And it was such a. I was so concerned coming in off of. Uh, I've never watched past season one of Discovery, um, because I can't. Yeah, I could see why. And so <laughs> I don't I was, blame you for that. So I was super concerned coming into Strange New Worlds because it's. Which is a pity because the second half of season two is actually like super awesome, and how they introduced. I, I understand that, and I, I I need to get there. I just. It's hard. I'll tell you this much. It's hard. I I feel your pain with Discovery. Uh, I have not had a chance to watch it since season three because I just couldn't. But the second half of season two is absolutely perfect TV. 100%. Perfect Star Star Trek. Maybe I'll get to that and then call it good on Discovery. So we'll see. So I'm going to go me real quick. Speaking of classic cartoons, uh, the real Ghostbusters is streaming on Amazon. So I've uh, my boys. I saw that. I really want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. My boys uh, really got into spooky stuff because I was playing all those Castlevania games for a while, and they wanted to watch more. So we started watching that, and uh, I forgot that show is actually kind of intense sometimes. Like uh, my Barry, my uh, the youngest, I guess technically, uh, he gets. He gets a little overwhelmed sometimes. He's like, uh, I want to watch something else. And I'm like, okay. But then he always wants to watch it again later. He just needs some time to process, I guess. We've been we've been having fun with that. I, I would recommend. Like, that show holds up surprisingly okay. I mean, it's it's a dumb kids cartoon. And there are some episodes that are just stupid and, and bad. But there are some episodes, like, especially if you're, like, uh, I guess a writer or a, a game master, if you're doing a horror game, like there, there's very stealable stuff in that show. Very. And, and I have to like it because Babylon five, my the sh- show that I love for no reason I can fathom um, JMS. That was like his first big job. He was the lead story guy on that. So yeah. So it has to be good. That's just the way it I works. I remember a really good episode of that where there was uh vampires versus werewolves and they were, yeah. And he got goes right eternal cycle because when a vampire bit a werewolf, it would become a vampire. But when a werewolf bit a vampire, it would become a werewolf. Ray, what happens when a vampire bites a werewolf and a werewolf bites a vampire? <laughs> yes, I remember <laughs> that. I remember that. Uh, speaking of goofy stuff, have you heard of the movie Studio 666? No. Okay. Okay. So I got this at the library. Brendan mentioned it in his episode. They call it the lucky day shelf and my, my library doesn't call anything clever. They just call it the new release shelf. But there's a shelf in the front of the library of things that they... You, you can't put on hold. You just have to go there. And if it's in, you can grab it off the shelf. Uh, so Su- Studio 666 was there. And, and uh, so, okay. <sighs> Whew, there's a lot to unpack in this. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Jonathan, Wesley, have you heard of a, a, a little band called the Foo Fighters? Might have heard of them once or twice. Uh, I think they had a cameo on a Tenacious D uh, music video back in the 90s. Yes, yes. But uh, they, didn't they do a movie recently? Okay, so they recorded their 10th album, Medicine at Midnight, and at the same time, they made a movie in the house that they were renting to record the video in. And yes, it's this weird little movie about 
the Foo Fighters trying to make their 10th album and Dave Grohl getting writer's block. So they go and rent a house to, to crank out an album. And then uh, Dave Grohl gets possessed by the evil spirit of a dead 90s rocker uh, who was summoning demons and gets infused with demon essence and then kills uh, most of the members of the Foo Fighters. Wow. <laughs> now I kind of want to watch it. Okay. So it's not... It's trying to be like Evil Dead 2 Army of Darkness. Like it, it wants to be that and it, it reaches for it. And it doesn't ever quite grab it. it. It gets close a couple of times. So it's not great. But if I tell you that it's a movie about Dave Grohl getting possessed by demonic forces and killing every other member of the Foo Fighters, if that sounds amusing to you, yes, you will enjoy the movie. It's it, it for what it is. It was all right. We had a good time. I'm in. And I'm it's in. it's real gory. Mm. Like like. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I, I don't want to spoil it. it. It is real gory, though. It is not not for kid watching at all. In every in any slight thing. Okay. I'll just spoil it. The first couple of kills are like real realistically gory, which kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie. And then, and then the kills get slowly more and more over the top with people having anime amounts of blood jetting out of them. It's pretty fun. <laughs> and uh, and then I can't talk about it, but I watch Prey, which is that Predator sequel. Uh, yes, you can't talk about it. You you may say nothing. Uh, I. I I will say this, Jonathan. Uh, I've avoided all spoilers. It's a low freaking bar, but it is by far the best Predator sequel. <laughs> and I'll I'll leave it there. You know, I stand by the fact that Predators is hugely underrated. Uh, I haven't seen that one, so I, it's on my list now. But Prey, Prey was legitimately like I I enjoyed it. the The, the casting was good. It was an interesting story. It it kind of hit all the notes it needed to hit. It had quibble problems, whatever. But yeah, it's it's by far the best Predator sequel I've seen. I, I've seen all of them, including the AVP movies, except for Predators. That's the only one I've never seen. So that is a great movie. I totally think you should watch it, and I would like to get your take on it. Well, it's on the list because uh, I'm, 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 I'm pirating my buddy's Hulu account, so I, I have it for a month, so I need to get it done. So hopefully, hopefully it'll still be around when the kids go back to school because I don't know when else I'm going to be able to watch that. And that's it. I'm done. Jonathan, go. I watched this kooky little movie on Amazon called Love and Monsters. Um, so monsters have kind of taken over the world and and people are just trying to survive. And they're in a couple of like tiny little surviving villages that are scattered around. And this guy just decides to go visit his girlfriend who he hasn't seen in years and just takes off across the countryside. And he's not particularly good at surviving. It's a kooky, fun, quirky little movie. It's, it's worth a watch. I won't call it amazing, but it's definitely worth a watch. It's it's fun. It's a good time. I also watched all of For All Mankind season three. I totally got hooked on it. Um, wow, that show. Wow. Just equal parts getting punched in the feels and um, good action. Like, okay, okay. Where does, it, where does it rank on the uh, punching the feels and darkness of Battlestar Galactica, Ron Moore's other show of sci-fi? It's a different kind of feel that it punches into. Okay, so it's not like so oppressively depressing. No, no, not at all. In fact, okay. there's quite a lot of hope in this. Um, uh, okay, it's just like what they do is inherently dangerous, and sometimes it causes a lot of drama between the characters, and a lot of it is parental in nature. And it, it's yeah, man. Like sometimes you're just sitting there, just trying to hold back the tears because it's it's intense. I finally had a chance to sit down and watch Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. That is a kooky movie, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll say this. It is extremely well directed and the visual direction is jaw dropping. Like what awesome visuals this movie has. I feel like the script is where it, it fell apart. It's a weak script. It is down with there with the Iron Man sequels for me. 
that and that's pretty low on the list for me. I mean, I I find it to be a fun Marvel movie. I just it there's nothing like amazing and it, if it actually the, advances the plot of the rest of the Marvel universe, fine. But otherwise, yeah, it's just kind of a ho hum movie. I mean, it's, it's still relatively new, so I don't want to go yeah. into any kind of spoiler territory. But I, I had a good time with it. I just I think the script left a lot to be desired. I can't fault the performances or the direction. I'm kind of with you, Wes. Like, uh, for me, the lower tier of the Marvel movies is definitely like Thor 2 and uh, Iron Man 2. I actually liked Iron Man 3, but I'm kind of alone in that. I really liked Iron Man 3. I was surprised by how much I liked it. I yeah, didn't well, like it at all. Yeah, I, I liked it for weird reasons. I We don't need to get into that. Uh, I think it's definitely better than those movies, the the low tier ones. But it, it is on the low uh, and the Eternals. The Eternals is down there, too. It's definitely better than oh, all. God, th- the Eternals is just boring. That was like that, that was the fire starter of, of the Marvel movies. Yeah. So it's definitely better than all of them, but it's still down there with them. It's down on that that end of the spectrum for me. I, I will say I like the new Thor movie a whole lot more. I, I'm I'm getting there. I yeah. had I, I, I like the I like the Thor movie. That's all I'll say. But I liked it a lot I've, more. I've got Miss Marvel next on my list uh, <sighs> to get caught up with. I'm Marvel. like halfway through that. We've been really slow on our co-watching shows lately. Uh, and then the only other things I've been watching are I watched uh, the latest season of Alone, uh, which I continue to enjoy. That show it's kooky and fun. Uh, and then um, I got invited to a screening of The Thing on the big screen, and I stand by it. I've said it on this show before. I'll say it again. That movie holds up amazingly well. The only thing that betrays it is that because of the nature of high-fidelity f- high, uh, picture, you can totally see a lot of the puppet strings in it. And the other thing that betrays it is the um, the old computers, the 80s computers. But my God, that you could reshoot that script today and that script is still taut and tense and well done. I I just wish I, I normally I'm against this, but if the if the movie was never intended to be shown in that high fidelity and they're showing it that high fidelity, I am OK with them going in with computers and just taking out the strings. Yeah, that's that. I don't know why Universal hasn't done that. You don't need to make anything else happen. You don't need to, like, change the effects. You don't need to replace the monsters. Just clean up those little little artifacts that you shouldn't be able to see because it was never intended to be seen at 4k resolution yeah and i know some people on the internet would pitch a fit if they said they were doing that but i i, I am okay those with people it. are stupid and yeah. should not open their mouths yeah well that, I, we were we were we were we haven't gotten all the way through it but we were watching uh uh <laughs> we were watching crouching tiger hidden dragon and you know we were commenting on like yeah yeah like around the matrix time uh around that time of cinema when the computers got good enough that you could remove strings like that's when like action scenes got really wild because yeah you could have people on wires and you could just take them out you didn't have to worry about them so they could just do whatever they wanted with them and it, it's good wires and booms and all kinds of fancy rigs that you can move remove the whole rig like yeah it makes action fun and then we don't make those kind of, like, that kind of action movie. Like, there was the Matrix reboot the thing, but... Mm, yeah. But... We shall not speak of that. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. We stopped doing those Max Payne, like, you know, the slow motion action scenes or the... Uh, you know what? Did we really lose anything by not having more Max Payne movies? Is that really a thing that we... I, I'm not defending the movie. I'm just saying that general style of over-the-top, like... John Wu unleashed combat is is something we don't get much anymore. Oh, I love you, John Wu. I love you for all your kooky, crazy over the topness. 
Maybe that's why John Wick has been so popular among our set because it is a bit of a throwback to that. The the yeah, I was just gonna say the irony of the whole John Wick thing is uh, when my my fifteen year old son comes and he's super excited about John Wick and I'm like, yeah, let me let me show you this little movie called A Better Tomorrow. <laughs> you you tell me where they got these ideas. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that rounds out our off-the-shelf no, segment. No, no, no. I got two other things. I got two oh. other things. Yeah, yeah. I went to Minnesota. I went to in Austin, Minnesota, which was a trip, by the way. Because uh-huh. it was also off of Highway 35, which is the same one. It, it goes all the way up there. Uh, I went to the Spam Museum, which I posted a few pictures over on the Discord. And that was kind of weird and fascinating and surreal. And the best part, the uh, every half hour or so, uh, an employee comes around, not with samples, my friends, but with spamples. And, oh, there you go. And there you, you go. I, uh, I tried the turkey, the Tacano. Tacano? I don't know how to say it. It's... Uh, yeah, I forget. Uh, I forget where that's from. Uh, Philippines. It's a Philippine seasoning, anyway. And uh, and the bacon spam, and the hickory smoke. And the bacon spam is just basically the hickory smoke with slightly less hickory smoke flavor in it. It's not anything to write home about. And then I brought home a can of the hot and spicy, and I've been eating that. And that actually has some spice. It's it's a little spicier than I thought it was going to be. I was impressed. So, yes, lots of fun. Would I ever do it again? No, it is not worth visiting a second time. But I'm glad I went. It's a good story. It's a good story. And uh, I went to the Mall of America. And my kids all rode uh, uh, amusement park rides from the center of amusement park. And uh, we had a clean. Did you go on the log jammer? No, I did not. Because all of my kids, we went on two of the roller coasters and something else. And my kids cried at the rides and they didn't want to go any on the log jammer with me. And I didn't want to go by myself. So I didn't do it. Oh, I would have totally gone with you. Thanks, buddy. But last yeah. time I was in, in Minnesota, I went on log jammer with like four other guys. And it's the funniest picture you've ever seen. <laughs> nice. And oh, we visited uh, Fantasy Flight Games' old shop. That's not their shop anymore. It's called the Game Center. Um, but yeah, that was kind of fun. Yeah, it's super nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a oh, it's big. Like Wes, Wes, like imagine if you took Emerald Tavern and and Dragon's Lair mm-hmm. and doubled it, and that's about how big that is. That, that's pretty big. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty big. Like, uh, it, it, yeah, they're not messing around with their board games up in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Like, we were in there, and there, there's this huge playroom. It was mammoth. And then I realized there was this back wall with doors, and I realized the, the sign above the doors said Event Center 1 and Event Center 2. And behind those doors was a space just as large for private events. <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous. It was so big. Well, I mean, like, what, what else are you going to do in Minnesota in the winter? You know, you're going to go somewhere and, and play games uh, and stay warm. I you know? mean, it, it, it's the other meaning of board games at that point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Anyway, there you go. Now I'm done. Finn. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment, which means it's break time. And when we return, we will be talking all about the news in our Wisdom of Crowd segment. We'll see you in a moment. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by one of the following. You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find a link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at Forgot My Dice. And of course, you can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. 
Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. Listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Oh, God, I'm going to cut his cord. And now it's time for the Wisdom of Crowds segment, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. This is, of course, where we whip out all of the news that's on the internet that's worth reading, and we bring it out into the... the sh- I can't... I just give up. You, you've got it in there. Just cut this <laughs> out. I can't speak today. <laughs> whip it out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why do you think I aborted the sentence? It was just... <laughs> Everything was going wrong. Everything and is wrong. Now, Nothing is good. Uh, abortion's illegal in Texas now, so... Oh, God, so is living. <laughs> Fuck you, Greg Abbott. You knew it was coming. Getting it out of the way early today, Robert. Fuck you, Greg Abbott. It's time for the Wisdom of Crowds, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. Jonathan... That's uh, how you read a I goddamn script. I said that part. And then I you messed up. You said it up. with a bunch of other nonsense. You just read the script, Burgundy. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy? All right. Well, you've got four. I've got five. So you want me to kick this sucker off? Go. Go. Just go. All right. You know how I love me some legendary games. And now we're getting a new one. Upper Deck is about to release Legendary Encounters Matrix. And I'm stoked. Yeah, that is, of course, their semi-cooperative game uh, where you work together to beat an evil mastermind. And in this case, because it's an encounters game, uh, that means it's going to be plot-based, similar to uh, Alien and Predator. And uh, I am stoked. I'm really excited, genuinely excited about this. Um, It was at Gen Con this year. There's lots and lots of pictures available. And um, yeah, I am calling my FLGS and pre-ordering this sucker tomorrow. Expect expect a deep dive in the, in the reasonably near future. Author Ajit George wins the 2022 brand new Diana Jones Award. So two things. I think we talked about briefly, but they lost the Diana Jones Award. It's gone, Jonathan. I know. It, we, we did talk about this. Remember? There, there's, we did a whole shtick about UPS. Yeah, yeah. So they made a new one, and it's... It looks like a normal award. It's kind of disappointing. I, Boo. I, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a triangle. We, we couldn't dig up, like, another copy of the RPG and light it on fire? Yeah, or just some RPG and just light it on fire. Like, uh, get a pile of all, like... D-I-A-N-A. <laughs> anyway, uh, but Ajit is the co-lead designer of uh, Journey Through the Radiant Citadel and was chosen to receive the award for his activism advocating for more representative and diverse hobby games industry. So there you go. And uh, go check out the website, uh, dinajonesaward.com. There were quite a few things up as normal. And uh, all of it was fascinating and interesting to read about. So there you go. All right. Well, then I've got some more legendary news. But this time, legendary, uh, the Marvel version, they are releasing legendary Black Panther. And it's a 100-card expansion that focuses all on the Black Panther, of course, also known as T'Challa. Um, and yeah, there's some good, good, good stuff in there that comes with other heroes as well. It's got, um, Princess Shuri, Queen Storm, General Okoye, um, and there's two new masterminds as well and lots and lots and lots of fantastic Wakanda based Marvel action. I am stoked. Like what a great, what a great expansion this is going to be. You know, this reminds me of Wes, are are you still in that comics group? Are you, are you still deep in the comics or have you, have you gotten out of that? Of late. Uh, oh, I haven't uh, been in the uh, 
the comic stuff since the pandemic because we used to meet up at coffee shops. So, um, oh yeah, that would do it. Yeah, that would. Do yeah, kind of, kind of killed my social life, and now I, I don't do social <laughs> things. Yeah, man, I feel you there. Although I did try social things recently, and it was nice. Oh yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Um, I met, uh, I met two of my buddies, and we went and watched a screening of the thing. Oh. It was the first time I'd been in a movie theater since Dune last year. And that had been the first time I'd been in a movie theater in like a year and a half. So The Free League has announced Lord of the Rings role-playing for 5e. This will not be a new edition of the Adventures in Middle-Earth that the previous company did. This will be a whole new, brand new thing. Uh, but it is coming, and it is not coming to Kickstarter, oddly enough. They are pre-ordering it this fall, and it will release into retail in 2023. I, Wes and I, we kept threatening each other with, like, running that or playing it for a while but we never got around to it yeah a lot of things we <laughs> never got around to playing i i don't know about you you're a writer so you may have this too for writing stuff but i've got like a a note file that's just full of like all the random ass ideas i've had for uh running role-playing games and just like a big giant list of them i have a notebook um, full of my random ideas so i totally f- understand where you're coming from right now what are, what are your random ideas, Jonathan? Uh, mostly around board games that one day I would like to design and uh, scripts that I would one day like to sit down and write. Yeah, there you go. Do you, do you have a random list, Wes? Uh, I've got a list of like uh, characters that I've run in the past that I sometimes think about slipping into my writing. I'm working on kind of a very D&D uh, world thing for uh, to throw up on the Kendall Villa, and it's... Uh, based around like one of my rpg characters so there you go we all have our lists isn't that nice um all right well uh we've talked about smash up on the show before and it is getting a 10 year anniversary edition uh just in time for surprise surprise it's 10th anniversary uh, it will be released later this year um there's not a ton of details about it aeg has basically announced it um, and that the factions that are inside of the box are going to include the sheep, which was pro, um, formerly a promo faction. Uh, there will also be <laughs> world champs, skeletons, and mermaids in there, as well as a goblin collector coin. Uh, they're planning on including an art book, uh, a bunch of new game modes, and yeah, it's uh, going to be a big old 10th anniversary version of Smash Up. I'm looking at the world champs. There's not a lot of good art, but it almost looks like soccer playing like vegetables. There's like I'm, there's this one tiny thumbnail I'm finding of them, and it's bizarre. I don't know. They had they they, they had me at uh, sheep. Oh oh, they're animals, I guess. Weird. Okay, soccer playing animals. Okay, fair enough. One of my favorite companies, Pelagrain Press, is announcing a new edition of Thirteenth Age, which is uh, basically uh, Jonathan Tweet and Rob Henzo basically took a, a second crack at Fourth Edition Dungeons and Dragons. And it became 13th Age. And uh, I know it's like one of Pelgrane's big sellers. So uh, I, I don't know. All the D&Ds are making new editions. So I guess they had to join in because we got Pathfinder 2nd Edition too. But 13th Age Escalated Edition will be backwards compatible. Better class options and class talents. Uh, improved icon relationships. Scarier monsters and cooler treasures. Better advice. And uh, each class gets two additional pages of talents, feats, powers, and spells, and a new cover painting. So, ooh. Uh, they're going to play test it uh, starting this year, and it will be coming to Kickstarter next year. So keep an eye out for that, if that is your jam. I've never played it. I've 
I kind of gone back and forth on it. I don't know if I like that game or not, but I am I am intrigued. I will definitely at least be reading it when it comes out. I'm looking forward to the addition that w- of this that we see in 20 years when we've got like 13 age exalted, exalted, excitable edition, and just see how long they draw out this title. I like that. At some point, they're gonna like kind of give up, and it's just gonna be like 13th age, like slightly, slightly bemused edition. Or maybe when they get to 13 uh, E words in the subtitle. That will be the the final thirteenth age of the game, or or it'll just collapse and suck all of the role playing games into a singularity, and we shall be living in a, a role player gamer's paradise. Or we be chilling with Matthew McConaughey and like stringing gravity cords, making bookshelves wobble. There you go. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Go on, Jonathan. So um, I found this one, uh, and you were the first person I thought of when I saw this, Robert. I think that somebody's putting out a game specifically for you and your family. Okay, go on. It's from Phil Yates. It's aimed at families. It's an all-versus-one cooperative game. Um, It focuses on deception and reasoning. It's a hidden movement game, and it is Enola Holmes, Finder of Lost Souls, based on the IP from Netflix. Oh, oh, yes. That will go over good with the girl. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's specifically designed for your uh, family. It's um, some some aspects of Fury of Dracula mixed in with a great IP that is fun for the whole family. Did you see Enola Holmes, by the way? Uh, it's on my list. I'm going to get there. Eventually. It was surprisingly OK. Like I've, I was, I've heard uh, nothing but 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 pleasant things about it. And you've you've spoken reasonably highly about it. So I'm I'm very much looking yeah. forward to it. They're making a sequel, right? Yeah, 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 they are. And and that Henry Cavill man, got, that guy can do anything. Like, yeah, plays pretty much. Holmes. He is. He's fantastic. But um, yeah, this is uh, two to four players, ages 12 and up. They're estimating the game length at about 45 minutes. Uh, Enola Holmes, Finder of Lost Souls, and they're expecting it to be in stores in November of this year. Closing me out. Uh, the Ennies happened, uh, the annual Gen Con award ceremony for RPG goodness. And there are way way too many awards to go over but the product of the year went to thirsty sword lesbians by evil hat productions which if you've not read that role-playing game jonathan highly recommend uh it's it's basically she-ra sort of not really the 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 new netflix she-ra the role-playing game no i like it and uh uh the silver went to the call of cthulhu classic prop set by the hp lovecraft historical society but yes there's a lot of cool stuff if you want to go look at it so please do please please do Nice. Well, I found another one that was just for you. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. WizKids is bringing out another edition of Super Skill Pinball, which you have been talking about a lot, and that is super exciting. Um, this one is from Jeff Engelstein, and it is Super Skill Pinball Holiday Special. It's three new pinball uh, tables. Is one of them based themed. on Elf, National Lampoons, and something else? Because yes, we it's about a that Christmas last story. Week. It's Elf. Oh, did we? Yeah, you talked about that last week. Oh, well, then there you go. I I found it for you, and I got all excited. (laughs) I know. You were excited last week when we talked about it. Well, there you go. I'm doubly excited now. This looks dope. November 2022. (laughs) Or did you just message it to me? Because I've been on vacation. I might have just messaged it to you. Okay, I'm sorry I interrupted you then. I apologize. No, it's okay. It's still, I mean, that's that's all that's available in terms of information. Not, Not a ton. They're expecting it in stores in November. Um, but yeah, what a, what a lovely, lovely, fun little way to, to spend the holidays this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun game. 
All right. Well, moving right along, it is now, of course, time for our a king in all things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> Welcome to a very painful part 18 of our 42 part series, A King of All Things, where we are watching all of the Stephen King movies based on novels and novellas in order of their release date, along with the occasional extra. Boy, am I wishing this was the occasional skip. In the part, in this part, we have the 17th film in the series, 1996's Hunk of Crap Thinner. This is the part of the show that I almost stopped me from wanting to come on because. Oh, it's, 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 oh yeah. I because don't blame this you is indirectly you know my fault, you understand, understand. Because. Because I recommended you guys do the Stephen King watch. Oh. And so I should have checked the schedule to like get on a good you know Stephen King you know adaptation. <laughs> so this is my penance. You, you did this to yourself. I have I did. no zero, zero sympathy. I completely for you. forgot about that. This was your idea. <laughs> this is this is karma. Yeah, this is back this, look, what just look at what you did. Look at what you did to you. <laughs> So. All right, all right. Directed by Tom Holland. Not that Tom Holland, the other one. Uh, made for a budget of $8 bucks. It made $15.3 million, which how this piece of crap made money blows my mind. Uh, oh, uh, man. Uh, where, where do you want to begin here? Because, dear God, what a mess. Okay, uh, me and Wes were talking about this because we were live tweeting this at each other because uh, we watched it. He watched it first, and I watched it the day later, I think, or maybe two days later. Yeah. This, okay, so, so, uh, people out there, if you want to get, like, really interesting insight to how, like, the world views big guys like me and Wes, uh, this movie's it. Like, this movie is literally how... Every doctor I've had in my life until I moved to Oregon has treated me because the main character is a big guy. He's fat and uh, he gets a gypsy or bleh, he gets a Roma curse because we can't. Yeah, the, the G word's bad. Ugh. And but God, do they say it so much? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and, and, it, and it makes him super duper thin. Like he loses all this weight and he's like dying and blah. And that's like it. And but he's he's a scumbag. He's an awful person. But. God damn it. Every time he is fudging on the screen, he is like eating something like constantly. And it's like, I get it. Yeah. To, to, to the point where it's, it's, it's not even like building characterization. It's just asinine. Yeah, no, but literally that is how like doctors treated me. Like they, they're, they're surprised. I don't have a sandwich in my hand it, while I'm talking to them. Like they, they just think it's like, Oh yeah, fatty. You obviously just eat all the time. That's your problem. And it's like, no, that's not how it actually. There are times when, like, like you know, kind of getting personal on this, but there are times where, like, I start like because I I grew up a skinny kid. Like, I was bemoaning all the weight I've g- gained actually this past week because, like, nineteen year old me, I could have nailed the Sandman cosplay, like pale, ima- like just super thin little guy, like. Could have, could have nailed that. Like, but I still get in these moods where, like, I like God, I need to like fix all of this, and like I stop eating, and it, you know, and that's horrible to do. But like, it's just like I'll like you know just try and eat like you know the three basic meals a day, count the calories, and I'm still like not losing weight anymore. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I've had the same. Th- I I I exercise on the regular. I you know 30, 30 minutes a day, 
just me going out of my way to exercise and, you know, and not, not like, oh, I, I went for a walk. Like, no, I bust my butt on the elliptical or, you know, do other stuff. Anyway, yeah, ring fit adventure. You, you've, you've heard it all. But uh, yeah, no, I the only thing that made me start losing weight and it's it's going so slowly, like I'm losing it so incrementally. Uh, is uh, I, I tried this intermittent fasting thing. And that's like the first thing that's worked in years. And, you know, it's 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 like, it's not like I eat a ton. I, I, yeah. Oh. And then like, also I switched to, sorry, this is turning into the diet show, but yeah, I switched to snacking uh, with sh- unsalted shelled peanuts because it's just, you know, sometimes it's just the act of doing it, uh, of like, you know, breaking the shell and all that is helpful. But God damn, it's like, yeah. Like losing weight, I mean, I mean, given there are people out there who I'm sure that is their problem. It's a wide universe. I'm not going to deny it. However, it was aggravating just watching this movie because it was like just playing into all of those stereotypes. And, and you just see how people treat, you know, I see how people treat me based off of like that. Like that is the image in their mind. You 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 kind of raise a good point. Like this movie could have easily just been called a series of stereotypes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Regarding the Romani regarding weight, regarding s- mobsters. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. just an exercise <laughs> in stereotypical crap is, is what it is. There's there's no redeeming quality in this film. None oh, whatsoever. I couldn't even find a performance that I could enjoy. And and there are some quality actors in this film, it should be said, this, it, which makes me think that this was a directional choice, like an intentional directional choice. Do this, you know? Like, Joe Montaigne is not a bad actor. He was just terrible in this. Well, but John Burke has done okay in other things. I, I mean, he's he, he also did Vocal Cop Three, so he's not yeah, like yeah. Let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. This is this is from the guy who who took RoboCop Three on. Let's let's right, RoboCop but, with like, a jetpack. But I have seen him in things where he can definitely he he's he was not great like, in Black Klansman uh, from a, a couple of years ago. He was fantastic in that. I'm just saying, I've seen him not be that bad. Yeah. Like, so I know that this was him very much phoning it in. I will give credit. At the very end, he does make great crazy faces. Like, he he does sell the guy going crazy a little bit, even though it's, like, not in the script that great. Like, you can see the madness in his eyes at the end. And, and even the director, he's done better. He's he's a writer, actor, director. Uh, he wrote Psycho 2 and Cloak and Dagger, which were both kind of okay movies from the 80s. And he wrote and directed the original Fright Night, which isn't a great movie because uh, it was kind of ahead of its... But it, it's at least clever. Well, it, it was kind of ahead of its time because it was trying to be like a meta horror comedy, but it didn't know how to do that yet. Yeah. Um, he did Child's Play. That was him. Like he wrote and directed that. But see, here's the thing. He didn't write this one. Yes, he did. Oh, no, he, he did, did write this one. I take yes, that Yes, he did. That, that. Oh, wow. I know. I know, like... And actually, it looks like, uh, looking at his IMDb page, it looks like he hasn't written anything since. <laughs> oh, oh. oh so no. that, And I mean... That kills... We, we gotta also lay this at the feet of Stephen King, because, like, this is his book, and it's not far off of it at all. I have not read the book. I was curious if I should give it an attempt to see if, like, it was just a bad translation. Oh, man, I'm not holding my breath. No, a lot, it, this is a Richard Bachman book, and a lot of his early stuff was very kind of oh, well. lordy. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 Pre carry, a lot of his work is just very, like, angry white dude. Like, oh, gosh. Yeah. But, but see, here's, a, here's, <laughs> we're getting the interesting part here, Robert. Are, are you ready? <laughs> where do we park this on the list the bottom 
don't, the bottom. You, you think it's you think it's beyond Carrie? Do you think we we've we've established a new? Yeah. Low? Okay. 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 So this is why I think it's worse than Carrie. Carrie hasn't aged well, and no, and God, there's no. no things about Carrie I didn't like. I will acknowledge that. Most of the reason I don't like Carrie now is it has not aged well since the 70s when it was made. This movie was made like 22 years later or more. 20, I don't know if I'm doing my math right. A long time later. And those, a lot of that stuff that, like that movie was bad then. And it's not that it's aged poorly. It was, it was bad then. <laughs> And, and it's just like, the problem is like, none of the characters are redeemable. There's nobody to get invested in. Uh, like, you know, the, the Roma people are, you know, they're clearly villains. Like you're not supposed to root for them, you know, getting their justice or whatever. Uh, the lawyer's a scumbag. He partners up with a mob guy who's got the most mobby voice that you've ever heard. And, and, oh yeah, no, uh, it it's, y- y- I mean, I think you raise a really good point. It, it came out of the womb, uh, a gigantic play on you know stereotypical tropes and that was not a function of its time that was just a function of poor crappy filmmaking and i i haven't watched carrie in years and i think the last version i saw was oh, that one God. that was made 22 don't years ago it, and i was don't like do it it's so the thing, no i'm not gonna watch it again but it's so what creepy. i do remember so is creepy. that at least at least carrie has characters whose plight you can sympathize point, with. point made like, as bad and problematic as Carrie is today, the character of Carrie, you kind of can, you know, at least feel bad for all the that life's thrown at her. I don't feel bad for anybody in Thin Like, there is no, like, maybe the daughter. And she's in two scenes, and who cares? I'm clapping. I, I have my noise turned off, so maybe you can't hear it. But yeah, agreed. Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head. Like, that, that. Yeah. All right, I, I I think we're all in agreement. Then thinner goes to the bottom, <laughs> which means that we have a new low. Congratulations to the to the people behind thinner. You have now reached the lowest point possible on our King of All Things list of goodness, uh, which means our bottom five are now um, Firestarter, Cujo, the Lawnmower Man, Carrie, and at the absolute bottom, thinner. So if you hate yourself. Go ahead and uh, rent those five movies and spend a weekend uh, in self-loathing and misery. The top five, of course, still remains Misery, Dolores Claiborne, The Shining, Shawshank Redemption, and Stand By Me if you need a palate cleanser. So there you go. With an honorable mention of Salem's Lot because that was still quite good. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Agreed. The the TV miniseries. From 77. We haven't gotten to the Rob Lowe one yet. We'll see where that lies. No. I will say I see why... Stephen King has remained rele- like remains relevant though as a writer because he's someone whose career I can look at and say, well, this guy's written some of the best science fiction fantasy out there, and he's also written some of the worst. So maybe there's hope for me as a writer too. Yeah, for every for every golden nugget, there is a shining, glorious turd, isn't there? You know what? You know what's fascinating? Oh, oh! I'm excited about the next you know one. Fa- speaking of the next one, uh, the book, The Shining, holds up real good. Like, and, and yeah, that's one does. of his first it's ones. Actually, it's surprising. Real, well. real good. Yeah. So it's weird, but like, uh, I've read from a Buick Eight, and that was just awful. <laughs> and that's a more recent book, more recent as it, it came out in the early 2000s. But still, yeah, it's weird. It's weird how he kind of goes back and forth. I mean, God bless him for trying stuff. I guess. And he's he's definitely gotten over a lot of his edgelordiness as he's gotten older. I think I think uh, I think the cocaine helped for a while, and then getting over the cocaine. We're we're getting to an interesting part in the list here, uh, 
because we've got the Shining TV miniseries, then Apt Pupil, then Green Mile. Uh, and there, there's a lot of like Apt Pupil, unless it doesn't hold up over time. I, I remember that being friggin' aces. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, every every chance, by the way, that that it doesn't hold up because of age, because you know, <laughs> I, I'm going back as a as a forty almost forty five year old man watching a lot of these movies. And I'm like, wow, I used to revere this, and this is garbage. You have the miniseries for The Shining coming up, and if uh, memory serves, uh, Stephen King is on record of saying he likes the miniseries more than the movie. Be interested to see if you guys agree with that. Well, assessment. I know why, because uh, it's pretty obvious when you read the book, uh, uh, Jack is Stephen King. Yeah. And and it's, it's, it's his clear writer's allegory character. And so it's a big deal that um, the, 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 the hotel kind of drives him mad. And when Kubrick just made him kind of crazy from the get go, he, he took it personally. Like that's, that's exactly what happened right there. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know. Where is it streaming by the way? I'm looking for it. I'm oh, I thought I found it someplace. The shining. It's not on prime. Well, it's at my local library. So eh. let's see. It is not currently available to stream. How are we going to get it? That's an interesting question. What the hell? It's 2022. What? Literally, what the hell? That's weird. It was available. I checked it. Not all. Well, we may have to jump ahead then. You can buy it for $14 if you want to buy the Stephen King uh, collection of uh, The Shining, It, and uh, oh, wow, the Salem's Lot for uh, $13.99. <laughs> where, where do you see it? Uh, it's on Amazon. Man, we might, we might have to skip this one. Does your library have it? Oh, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I, I have it rented already. I'm sitting on it. I see. I can't even get it to come up on Amazon. There, I send it to you on your phone. Yeah, that's you know what it was. It, you could rent it. I remember checking this uh, about a year ago, I guess now. So it's, it's been a while, but dang, that's weird. Oh, but that's an actual disc. That yeah, I know. I don't. I th- I think I think it's not streaming anymore. That's weird. What a weird thing to stumble into in two thousand. All right, all right. We'll tell you what. Let's look at what the next one is, just in case. We'll uh, we'll cover our bases <laughs> and say, well, if we can't get the Shining, we will do the other thing, which is. I think it's apt people next, I right? Think so yeah. Yeah, it's apt pupil. Okay, next. well, okay. So either The Shining or apt pupil. We'll see what happens. There you go. What? What? I'm sorry. Did Did we just go through time machine? Did, I I don't understand this. This not able to instantly gratify myself. Maybe it's just it tells you how quality this movie is going to be that nobody bothers to make <laughs> With it the rights. <laughs> like, like they're just like. Would anyone watch this? Nah, too chaos, man. <laughs> you think it'd be cheap? You think Amazon, the you know the bargain basement bin of the internet, would just say like, "Hey, oh, we'll stream gosh. that. That's content, baby." <laughs> <laughs> man, you're not kidding. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like the the DVD bin in the back of the truck stop. <laughs> that's that's what Prime Video often feels like to me. <laughs> Let's continue on our journey. I'm sorry, Wes. I'm not sorry though. This was your fault, so. Yeah, yeah, I have no sympathy for you. You did this to us. You did this to us. I'm so happy that this is the episode you ended up coming on. And you know what? What does it say about fate that we didn't even plan this? (laughs) Yeah, because I would not have planned this at all. I would have joined you in like the Shining or the Green Mile or something. You know, this this is bad enough that I almost don't want to recommend your book anymore. (laughs) Ouch! Yeah, right. (laughs) 
That's the kind of pain that's, you cause. That's harsh. That's but, harsh. But, that's but, harsh. But, but it, it feels like it bounces by the shrine and void, and you must feel that I am enduring this pain with you. It's, it seems only fair and right. <laughs> so the scales have been balanced. Yes, yes. And with that, let us put thinner well in our rear view so that we must never, ever think about it again. And just, God, please, this is one you don't want to fall on. We took this bullet for you, okay? We secret service the hell out of this. Just don't ever watch this movie. Let it die. Let it die in obscurity. Which, of course, brings us to our year in the life segment. This is, of course, our segment where we look back at what we were doing a year ago in what episode, Rob? Forgot my dice, episode 113, The Limits of Theremin Technology. We reviewed nothing because we just got back from vacations, apparently, and didn't have anything prepped. Oh, well. Boy, doesn't that ring true? That was our last episode. Yeah, yeah. See, it's 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 an annual it's an annual ritual. <laughs> One of us was apparently reading Area Fifty One, an uncensored history of America's top secret military base. Oh my God, was that a year uh-huh. ago? I think you did that one first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, oh, and we watched Salem's Lot a year ago. Fun. Oh man, has it really been a year since that? Yeah, yeah. That was that was what we we're watching. What a treat that was. What a pleasant treat. Yeah, yeah, after Carrie, you know, and, and we just kind of started getting in our head, was this a bad idea? And then, and then we got a real good one out of nowhere. <laughs> now, I, I still stand by that being, like, a huge surprise. What a, what a lovely surprise that ended up. I mean, yeah, it hasn't aged perfectly, but, you know, it's aged better than a lot of the other movies on this list. And <sighs> it's, it's one of the oldest, and it's still better than <laughs> the whole bottom five. <laughs> By a lot. By a lot. Yeah, that, that's what keeps getting me. Like, I was just looking at the list. I updated it and put thinner on, on, on our list. And, like, the gulf between the bad ones and the good ones is humongous. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no, there is no center zone. It's just either abs- it's either lovely or garbage. The center zone is Firestarter. Firestarter was just boring and miscast. Yeah. That, that, is, that is the entirety of the middle. <laughs> the entirety. There truly is a no man's land between those two. Yeah. Well, Firestarter is the no man's land. Like that's that's where it is. That's exactly where it is. That's the break. Because everything yeah, above that list is good. Boredom starter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what's what's uh, you know this you and the life thing you guys do got me thinking that like you, you've been watching you know the Stephen King movies from the eighties and the nineties and you watched all the Bond movies and. You know, like what what movies are going to be problematic? Like that we like watch today, and I'm like, yeah, this is you know a fine movie. It's not too offensive. Are going to ha- be problematic in you know 20 years from now? Because like I remember like with Bond, like people have problems with Bond now, but like my mom and best friend's mom was super excited to see the new Bond movie every year. It felt like hmm. something to check in on at some point. Intriguing. It's a weird thing to think about. Dude, I was just looking at some of our keywords. We were playing some good games back then, too. <laughs> Hadrian's Wall. Is that what we deep dove that episode? Hadrian's no, Wall? we deep dove nothing. And way to pay attention to what Wes just said oh, something yeah, like yeah, profound. literally stuff. just said that. Absolutely. 110%. That's on me. Wes just said something profound, and you're just... <sighs> you're like a child. I, I can't take you out a, anywhere. It's been, a, it's been a really... It's been a week, man. It's been a week. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. I can't take you anywhere. That's fair. 
I'm sorry, Wes. It's cool. <laughs> of all the weeks I'm you had to come on. I'm just licking pain at this point. Well, that brings us to the end of our year in life, which means we are at breaky break time. And when we return, it'll be time for our deep dive, where we will be talking to Wesley all about his new book. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back for the break. It is now time for us to dive into our deep dive with Wesley CP, all about his book. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but I use my break to uh, palette rinse uh, thinner. Uh, <laughs> I could rather drink paint thinner. Did you uh, cleanse the palette by reading my book? <laughs> are you traumatized um, well, by this so, week's episode need a palate cleanser buy this book <laughs> go watch thinner and then buy my book and realize it can't be that bad that that'd be my tagline if i ever wrote a book for sure for sure wesley cp wrote one book better than one stephen king book i can die happy now so wesley let's uh let's talk about soul wizard because we want people to read your book, let's keep this a, a, a little on the spoiler-free side. But uh, yeah, should I go find like the back cover? Is there a back cover on it? I just have the electronic uh, the, the, version and just read the, the back description. Of it. Basically, I'll read. Okay, I'll, okay, I'll do my I'll do my voice and I will read the Amazon description because I, I got to do something here. This is this is all I have. This is all I have, Jill. <laughs> all right, here we go. Reeve Hearn's life is going pretty well. He's attending college and lives with his beautiful girlfriend, Mari. But when Mari suddenly disappears, Reeve's world crumbles. Searching for answers, he enters a realm of magic and myths that exist in secret around the world he thought he knew. Soon after discovering this new reality, Reeve is recruited by a veteran soul wizard named Art. As Reeve learns about his new power, a growing threat of darkness looms as ancient enemies reawaken in the world of humanity. Reeve and Art become embroiled in the fight to keep the realms of magic and of humans safe from each other. A fight that's deadlier than either imagined. God, I wish I could do like an 80s voiceover voice. It'd be so good. I just don't smoke enough for that. For <laughs> I just, I read these things and I'm like, that 80s announcer guy from previews would do this so much better than I'm doing. And it makes me sad. Anyway, There's sorry. There's no Wes. chance I'm not sorry. dying of lung cancer, but I've got a career. In, in 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 kind of a little bit of you you want to read it that way. I think when I was writing this blurb, I had like gone back and watched uh, the Conan movies because I was kind of on a sword and sorcery kick for a minute there. So probably had a little bit of the eighties in my head at that point. All right, all right. Sorry, go on with your question, Jonathan. I just had to read. I had to do my part. I got one job. I got one job on this ship, Jonathan. And you do it well. You do it well. You do Thank it well. You. Thank you. Thank you. Well, give us give us an overview. So, like, tell us about the universe. Tell us about um, the main character. And, yeah, like, uh, d tell us about Soul Wizard. Well, the basic premise is that this is set in an urban – it's it's in the urban fantasy genre, which, if you're not familiar, um, is magic and kind of anything in, that would be traditionally fantasy – but put in the modern world. 
so what my book is about is about a young man who is just discovering kind of this hidden world between uh, magic and humanity. My purpose behind this book was not to write the next big fantasy epic, but was to write a series of shorter, easy-to-read novels, that little bit of action, little bit of adventure, you know, just something you could pick up, read in a weekend, and then go on with your life instead of having to trudge through a much bigger fantasy novel. So is this the the start of a series then? Yeah, this is the first book in what is going to be a multi-part series, and I'm not I have, you know, kind of a general series idea of how this is all going to go, but I'm not entirely sure of my approach of it yet. I might do some different styles of um, storytelling with it um, since I'm doing this self-publishing. But yeah, I've got at least, well, at least two books because I'm almost uh, uh, completed the first draft of the second book. That's awesome. And so, so tell us about the main character. All right, so so Reeve is uh, going to college. He meets his girl, Molly, and then he wakes up one morning and she's gone. And so he, he wants to find out what happens, and that sets off a chain of events where he finds out about this world of magic. So why writing? What what, what made you pick up the pen or the keyboard, as it may be, and, and start diving into this? Because that's, that's a hell of a... That's a, that's a hell of a transition if you've not done it before. And trust me, this this comes from somebody who has started countless books and stories and never finished a one of them. Do you want the long version or the short version? I think we're short on time, but um, go for the uh, go for the 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 medium short. Okay, so the the fast version is that I have tried to write things for uh, on and off for decades. But like I was, I was no teen savant when it came to writing, so I, I never really focused on it as much. But reading was a big part of my life, especially because I'm dyslexic, and dyslexia in the '90s in a flyover state is, was not a word that was very familiar to the educational services. You know, so reading was really hard, but fortunately, I did have uh, access to resources to get me to some to a specialist who did understand uh, what dyslexia was and learn to read. And the first book that I really remember reading on my own because I wanted to was The Hobbit, and so that kind of drew me. In. And then some other books that I read with my mom before that, such as uh, The Blue Sword and Tash and the Jesters and um, Nani and those kinds of things kind of just drew me into this whole world of fantasy and reading became a refuge for me, especially when we started moving to like different states. It was something that was consistent. And so then I decided I liked reading and reading did a lot for my life. So I want to write books that, you know, would be something I would have enjoyed picking up. That's awesome. Let's, let's switch gears a little bit. You know, you you mentioned the fantasy genre. I know you're you're a big player of Dungeons and Dragons. What is it about the fantasy genre? Do you think that so captivates people? I I uh, recently read a, a an analysis on board games and how they sell uh, board games and RPGs, I should say, and how things set in the fantasy universe have a you know considerable percentage 
of uh, uh, additional sell through well beyond what what say like a science fiction setting has. So, what is it about that that genre, that environment that so attracts and and keeps people engaged? Well, I think that what fantasy can do between it and sci-fi, because sci-fi and fantasy run so close hand in hand. But what fantasy can do is it can do whatever you want it to, thus fulfilling, you know, the base world of fantasy. It is fulfilling a fantasy that we have of different times or but you know you can have fantasy that focuses on a romance you can have fantasy that focuses on uh you know you get stuff like the black company that give you very grim views of you know the war style fantasy but then you have like heroic fantasy you have romantic fantasy as i said you've got fantasy that takes place in the modern era you've got stuff that takes place um ancient kingdoms or even older. Um, so it kind of, it's a very flexible genre. And so if you want to go find fantasy that takes place during the age of exploration, it's out there for you. And then you could be like, I want fantasy set in the Regency era. And so, and then it gives you kind of a capsule of that time that doesn't change and you can say stuff about it. Whereas I think what happens with sci-fi is when you watch old sci-fi, they were, um, they were very hopeful about us in a way where, uh, you know, it's like, you know, in the far distant future of 2003, mankind is exploring the limits of the universe. And then of course us here in 22 are like, where did we go wrong? (laughs) But fantasy is you can always go back to to a time when it was written and kind of learn something about that time. Uh, that's very true of Narnia. That's very true with Tolkien. You know, most people know that there's a lot of uh, his his experience in World War One, even though he insisted it was never an allegory. Um, you can go back to. Uh, you can even go back to Wheel of Time, and he will tell you stuff about kind of mentalities of the '80s in the weird way. So, and the '90s, so it kind of captures that time. Let's change gears a little bit. Becoming an author used to be a thing that was not easy to do, and there was a process and a lot of submission and a lot of people, you know, basically telling you no regardless of the quality of your work. The world's changed somewhat. Um, one of the people that I read a lot of uh, is uh, uh, Craig Allenson, the, you know, the, the, the whole Expeditionary Force series that I read. And he is 100% self-published on, um, on Amazon, uh, which is what you're doing as well, right? So tell us about the process. Just jump into to self-publishing. Like, why did you choose to go that direction, and is 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 it as equalizing as it seems on the outside? Yes and no, I suppose. For my own sanity's sake, I'm treating this like a hobby, if you will. So, you know, some people buy miniatures and spend a lot of money on miniatures, or some people buy expensive golf clubs. I'm spending my hobby money on, on basically funding this uh, project of mine. 
would it help if I had the backing of professional editors and marketing people and all of that to really get my book out? Yes. But since I don't have that, and since I am doing this all self-funded, basically, it does really limit my resources and my ability. Um, Also, with this first book, I'm really using it to learn a lot about publishing, about having a book out there, because one of the things I wanted to avoid as an author was, you know, some of the publishing industry, you know, you hear stuff about, like, you know, writers getting taken advantage of, and I figured... If I'm going to get into that, I need to understand at least the language and the process. And I felt that doing the self-publishing would give me a better idea of kind of what to expect. So when people start talking about certain things, I at least have a basic understanding. Um, In some ways, I am just throwing this book at the wall and seeing what happens and hoping to get some really good feedback on it so that I can improve myself and make this a lot easier for me as I hope, you know, hopefully keep publishing books. So that's interesting. You mentioned it as, uh, as your hobby. So if you want to go the self-publishing route, what, what kind of, uh, what, what do you got to do to sort of line that up and get that out of the park? There's a lot of ways to do it. And a lot of them I'm not familiar with. I did pretty much everything on my own, except for the cover itself. There are like sites like Book Baby and stuff that will you pay them a lot of money, you know, like I think upwards of like a thousand, two thousand dollars or something, and they will help you publish and, and like get your book out and formatted and looking really nice and pretty and get it out there. Um, I didn't have that kind of money, so. Um, a lot of it was me just reading uh, reading articles and also talking to people who were self-publishers, uh, talking to them about their experience and what works, what doesn't work, especially with marketing. I am not a marketing person, and hiring marketing people is expensive, so mostly... Like, I've been asking some of the people I know, like, hey, what, where have you spent your marketing money? What's worked? What's not worked? So I can, you know, try and grow off their success, see what works for me, and then hopefully pat- tell the story and pass it on, right? Keep that knowledge going. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, one thing I noticed that you definitely do is uh, I've been following you on Twitter on the, uh, on the Forgot My Dice count for quite a while now. And I've seen you sort of build out this um, this Twitter, I don't know what you would call it, like following or whatever. Like you've got a, you've got a definite personality on Twitter that you've been using to, you know, that you've later then segued into marketing your book because you, you, you market a lot on Twitter, which is awesome. I like that. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I see, I see what you're talking about by using your own resources because, yeah, you, you, by the way, by the way, from what little I know about Twitter because I, I got into it a bit when I was uh, – when I was running my store, you are you are working that Twitter good. I'm I'm very impressed with your your Twitter skills, sir. Man, Twitter is such a weird beast. There's like a couple of people I know in real life who follow me on Twitter, and none of them use it that much. Everyone I'm act, interacting with on Twitter usually are people I don't know at all. A lot of times, I will have like it's branding. And sometimes I change that branding depending on who I'm talking to based on, you know, these kind of 
social connections. I guess that that is the social media stuff. But I think that a lot of authors, you need to connect with your audience and having a public active account like Twitter where you can talk to people and interact with them can help, you know, so that when you're like, hey, I've got a book out, suddenly there are actually people who will go buy it. Well, it's funny because you, uh, you you tweeted out right before we got started that you're recording your first interview and you linked us. So I've I've been seeing the engagement of that tweet and it's it's impressive. <laughs> you've actually got people responding to that tweet and going like like whoop. So I guess you've got a a a, a juggalo fan out there. I guess, or I guess it's whoop whoop. Yeah, anyway. I, I know, but thank you to all the people on Twitter because a lot of them are the people who I bug for advice with with doing the self-publishing stuff so it like there's a lot of bad parts of twitter yeah like like, (laughs) i started my twitter account like uh eight years ago when i was working a job that like i was supposed to pretend to be like a young hip person who tweeted stuff but like i was never good at it because i was wrapped up in politics side of it and that's not a fun place to be on twitter the writing community side of twitter if you come in you're respectful and you you know don't like overly bother people or or a general creep they're very accepting and they're very like a lot of them are very friendly and they want to share advice because we're all kind of figuring this out together in a lot of ways there's either the really successful indie authors who are really successful and they probably have people who have taken over their social media accounts for them by this point. And then there's the rest of us who, you know, aren't traditionally published and are trying to get through this. So, uh, and then there's some traditionally published people who are very nice and, you know, we all support each other as success and failure comes our way. And then there's Stephen King who just belts out the zingers. Yeah. Well, but following Stephen is, usually better than following the other famous author of all time on Twitter. True that. Okay. So Wes, we were talking a little bit before, uh, you told me to remind you about Reed Gala. What? tell me, tell me more about this. I am intrigued. Reed Gala is what is planned to be a by the, the event. So every six months it is a social media event right now. It's just on Twitter because that's the social media platform. I understand. And I am, desperately trying to learn other platforms but failing read gala is an event for published writers whatever you have published whether it's a short story in an anthology or magazine to your 10 book you know mega i'm brandon sanderson and pump out 30 books a year catalog whatever you've got and it's a way to pitch your book in the 280 characters that twitter allows and say, hey, this is the pitch for my book. Does it sound interesting? Here's the link in the comments to go buy it. Um, And where this was born out of, and anyone who's been around the writing community will immediately recognize the formula, is this is inspired by the PitMad event. And what PitMad was, was it was an event where um, people with manuscripts that they wanted to pitch to lit agents or publishers would post like just, you know, a single tweet pitch of here's my story. And then if the agent was interested, they liked the tweet, 
and you would know, hey, it's this is a good person to uh, query. That kind of fell apart because the ratio of agents to people pitching manuscript became too imbalanced that it wasn't returning enough results to continue. But I thought the idea was good, and it was one of the ways I got into the writing community, met a lot of people, and it it was kind of a community event that people would look out for so they could retreat and support people with good ideas, right? So I thought, why don't we do the same thing, but for people who have published the books of, here's one day where we just give you the elevator pitch of the book, go buy it, please. Um, <laughs> and so so we did the first one of those back in May, I think uh, May 23rd, and we had moderate success. We had a number of people participate, and I saw a number of people did sell books that day, so I was pleased with that. But our next one is going to be on November 17th, uh, 2022. That's a Thursday. It's, I think, the week uh, before Thanksgiving. So it gives you a chance to kind of pitch out your book so that people can add it to their uh, Christmas wish list to uh, get relatives to buy for them or something. Cool. You know, there's some rules to just like, you know, to follow if about if you're creating the pitch or if you're you know you're looking to read um just to kind of like help guide you to kind of build the best kind of pitch possible um and you can read all about that at readgala.org well thank you so much wesley um before wrapping this up tell us if if there's somebody that's interested in following you and following uh, the the book following when the next one is out in the series how do they go about doing that? How do they, they follow you on social media? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Wes Rants, and you can find me on Facebook on under my author page, author Wesley CP at Wes Writes Fantasy. Come follow me and see what nonsense I get up to and look for announcements about new stuff. I've been paying attention to his Twitter at the very least. And I can assure you, dear listener, occasionally there are shenanigans too. I can get behind shenanigans. If, and, and, and if people want to buy the book, where, where can they go? Obviously uh, you've mentioned Amazon, but are there other places where they can uh, pick it up? Yeah, you can uh, pick up. So the physical copies are only available on Amazon right now, but you can find the e-book uh, version on multiple uh, places including Apple Books, Kobo, Barnes and Noble, Smashwords, Overdrive, Kobo, Scriber. You can buy the ebook version there. Also, right now, Amazon is running a ninety-nine cent sale on my ebook in the U.S. at least, and possibly other countries, but it's very inconsistent which one. So I set it so that you can buy the ebook on. Uh, any of the other retailers outside the U.S. because I thought it was rather unfair for Amazon to only be putting a sale on in the U.S. So if you're international, you can get it on Barnes & Noble, Apple, Kobo, or others for 99 cents. Well, in that case, there's only one last thing to do, and that is to talk about the end of the show because, once again, listeners, we have achieved the end of our show. Wes, thank you so much for joining us on our uh, trip through. I, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to thank you for joining us for thinner. Like that, that that feels like it was 
<laughs> it was. I don't know. It coma. feels wrong to say thank you because I feel like you've been tortured. I, I, but you know, it was torture of my own indirect doing. So this was the karma show. This is all the bad karma coming back to me now. <laughs> well, what isn't bad karma is that people should go out and pick up the book. It's available on e-readers pretty much everywhere. Which brings us, of course, to the end of the show, which means it's closing thoughts time. Robert, any final thoughts? I'm going to kick that over to Wes. So I guess uh, final thought is... Man, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm kind of losing it here. Um... <laughs> I don't even, I, like for all this rambling that I've done on the show, I don't seem to have something a final thought that ties back into anything that we've discussed tonight. Um, it I said have all to my be profound. Connected. It could be completely random, and that actually would fit the show rather well. Here, here, I, I got it. I got your back. I got your back. I'm looking at pictures of uh, of the Rambler car. Speaking of rambling, uh, yeah, 1960s Rambler it was a fine automobile. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't. It's probably garbage, but whatever. It's neither here nor there. Well, whatever. It, it, yeah. I don't know. There you go. There you go. Is that a final thought? Does that <laughs> Only if you uh, want to beep it. God, it was ugly. What an ugly car the Rambler was. Yeah. Well. And it's on that bombshell, I think, that we have arrived at the end of our shows. <laughs> the vamp, the 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 vampire was an ugly cause. That it? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think that's what we're getting to on, on Monday night at close to midnight. Is is that the episode title now? The no, Rambler I like the other one better. <laughs> well, that means that there's only one last thing to do, gentlemen, and that is to be excellent to one another. And Wes, Robert. Party on. Party on, Jonathan. Party on, dudes. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 